This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Ambulance and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Two for for the twos? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly. We dig into movies, be a most spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 492. 492? 492? I mean, that sounds like a, a, a cleaning product. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're yeah. so far away from the Knock actual off. cleaning product. Right, yeah, but 492 is like their premium uh, version of it. Like, that joke worked like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but this week... It's the, it's the nine. They, sure. This week we're talking... Uh, we got do we have a double header this week. We're talking Ambulance and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So strap, strap in. <laughs> got a lot going on here. Uh, but uh, joining us to discuss uh, both of these films and where we have He's a Tony Award-winning producer and co-creator of the upcoming Ember Productions YouTube channel. He's also on the hunt for more Chaos Emeralds. It's Maxwell Hatted. Hey, guys. How are you today? Hey, Maxwell. We're doing great. How are you doing? I'm well. It's, it's good to be here. I always love coming and doing the show with the, you guys. So thank you so much for the invitation. Of course. Right. Glad to have you back here. And, it's not uh, every day that we get, you know, Tony Award-winning uh, guests on the show. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I am seeking out more. I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah, I can point you in the right direction. I do know of many. Well, I, we're trying to get Nathan Lena. I, I happen to know the um, Twitter handle for one Lamar Odom Jr. So I'm pretty much in the bag right Boom. there. <laughs> do you mean, you mean Leslie? Leslie Odom Jr.? <laughs> exactly. That's how good I know. I was him. like, wait, you know, a, a basketball player's son does bad. What? You didn't know they had they, they put together a mechanical boy no. uh, named Lamar Odom Jr.? <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr. follows me on Twitter. Lamar Odom Jr. is a basketball person. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing the problem here. You didn't know that he has a Tony. <laughs> I mean, that's news to me. <laughs> well, anyway, Axel, is glad glad to have you here. Uh, let's go over some let's go over some show notes uh, real quick. Uh, first up, new commentary track. It is April. We have a, one coming, and we have it planned now. We are going to be talking this month in honor of, of course, Nicolas Cage face off. Uh, that is yes. going to be next commentary. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, just stay tuned. <laughs> there's, plenty, there's plenty to talk about with Pixar. Uh, so yeah, uh, what else? Uh, iTunes views ratings. Good to get those, of course. Helps uh, the show. Helps uh, boost us up in the old iTunes charts. If you want to log on to out oh, to iTunes and search for out now with Aaron and Abe, you can give us a quick star rating and a review. Thank you so much in advance. Uh, another thing here, guys. Summer Gamble X is coming. <laughs> Ooh summer gamble x max are you gonna be in this year yeah this year i'm gonna do it i i think i if i'm not mistaken i won once and so i want to come back for that crown i, I took a year off mm -hmm. to to just sort of like reset my mind and my approach work on some strategy guides do some sudoku and i'm ready to go that's I love the all, all of those are, are welcome reasons yeah. <laughs> to be prepared great great fiery spirit but yeah perfect be, be prepared summer gamble x it's gonna be something um what else here 
Okay, so let's get into this. Um, a couple weeks ago, we obviously talked about the Oscar results as we normally do on this podcast. Uh, Abe and I, along with my lovely girlfriend, Anna, and of course, Mark Hoban, we went over the results of the show as far as the awards, as well as our thoughts on the ceremony itself. This ceremony was, of course, marred and much more controversy this year because of the events that took place known as the slap. So now this past week, uh, the Academy has delivered a verdict or ruling on what the, I guess, consequences were based off Will Smith's actions. Uh, he, of course, resigned from the Academy about a week prior before this hearing took place to deliver any kind of whatever else is next. And the result is a 10-year ban uh, from the Academy from attending the events, let alone being a member of it. Yeah, as far as I'm, I know, that still means that Will Smith could potentially be nominated and win awards. He just can't like attend or be a part of the center vote in any way. With all of that said, Hey, but we ever we obviously talked about like our thoughts on what happened with Max. What any thoughts on this this ruling that they've uh, come up with for this? So I honestly I haven't spoken publicly about this whole situation all that much because mm-hmm. I have found that like so many things the internet becomes very binary and hyperbolic and it's either one side or the other. And I think like most things in life, there's a lot of nuance here that people are not looking at. I think. Uh, We have to be very careful when we make jokes about people's disabilities. I think there are some complexities in Will and Jada's relationship that make me uncomfortable uh, and is not really my business. But I feel that while what he did was wrong and was the absolute wrong time to have done it and was a miscalculation, I'm not sure that this punishment means anything. It seems mostly like surface level showmanship. Like he could still be nominated. He could still win. He resigned on his own. And I sort of feel like they were probably just going to ask him to not be a member anymore. But when he did that himself, they had to come up with some other sort of punishment. So they're just like, yeah, he can't come to the shows or events, which to me is like, I don't think is a big deal. I I, I don't know. It feels like the emperor's new clothes. Like, I don't know. I think it should have just been left as it was. He's not a member anymore. Let him do his own penance and move on from it. How about you, Abe? I, I, I know we both came down on violence is wrong is like the, one of the bigger takeaways, but obviously right. there's plenty of things we discussed during that show. But how about this? Yeah, and there have been a lot of outlets and a lot of other people, places, things that have uh, gone into further uh, details about this situation. I'm on the same page with Maxwell. I mean, it, it just seems like it's, it's a, um, it's not even reactionary from the Academy. It's kind of just more of like, well, here's something that seem makes us look like we had a firm decision and, you know, we, we don't mess with us kind of thing, because if you do, you're going to get a 10 year ban. But to your point earlier, what does this ban actually mean? It just means you cannot attend events and, or uh, like show up to these kinds of other functions, but he's still able to be nominated. He's still able to win. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it just seems like, one, it seems egregious and, and overzealous and over the top of just like 10 years. I and, agree. You know, like, what's up with that? And then the other thing is, um, like, why why, why would you uh, feel as though you had to make Will Smith the example? You know what I mean? Like, there, there have been people in the past that have been um, much more uh, sinister, evil, uh, ridiculous, uh, or more deserving of, of a such a... I don't know if this is considered a lifetime ban, but like it's such a a, a long uh, tenure of a ban. But um, why Will Smith? So, yeah. Anyway, what about you, Aaron? 
I think the obvious reasoning that you can put on the Academy is the thing that he did was public, where the things that others have done, it's more news items taking place outside of their ceremony or what this is not me making excuses for it, but as far as like the optics go, the general movie go or the general watcher of the Academy Award, which seems like a weird thing to say because we're the kind of people that are the general viewers, not the regular audience in general. But regardless, sure. they, you know, they saw him do this thing on their turf on their night as opposed to other people that did horrible things, not on their night, not at their ceremony. So if you're going to give someone a punishment for something that happened, especially in 2022, when people are being taken to task all the time, that's their logic uh, for doing this. I don't, I agree with you guys as far as in the scheme of things, it doesn't mean much. Will Smith hasn't been nominated for an Oscar in over 10 years. <laughs> it's like, is he coming back anytime soon anyway? But regardless of that, it, it does. it's not going to amount to a whole lot as far as, what it's capable of doing to him and it just makes the oscars look kind of petty it's like 10 years by the way right. like we know that all of the punishments and dare terrible things that are happening to you are happening right this moment but we're gonna sit here and watch for 10 years that's you i guess not do anything involved with us. And it's like okay that's sure like if they said like five years i could buy that that's like okay that's that makes a level of sense to me but yeah it's you know We've got over this. I don't need to go over this too much further, but like the thing that happened that night, not good. I mean, that's, right. there's, and I agree. I, <clears throat> I think we both agree with Maxwell. Yes, there's obviously shades of gray. There's various things going on that kind of enhance what happened exactly, but that is a lot, much of which that we will never know. But as far as how to punish that, like the, the bulk of that punishment's coming right this second. Like mm-hmm. everything, everything that Will Smith is suffering through, that's the punishment happening right now in seven years he's not gonna be sitting here thinking like no man i shouldn't have slapped chris rock at the oscars like that's not gonna be a a thing that's going on with anybody's mind anymore but it's also gonna be a weird optic when like 10 years passes and they're like here's a reunion of chris rock and will smith on stage (laughs) hugging it out i I saw i don't i don't remember who it was but i saw a funny tweet that was like the real punishment should have been he should have had to host the oscars next year uh (laughs) uh-huh That's pretty funny. I mean, it's a better, it would be a better approach, honestly. Make him host the Oscars. If that means, that'd be a, it's honestly, a thankless like, job and there's no way to win at it anymore. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I, uh, I get the banning or what have you. I thought that like the cooler move that would, that would probably smooth things over as opposed to continuing to rub people's faces in it is just make them both present next year at the same time together. Like show that the fences have been mended, which probably have. Uh, between them anyway or later at least will be just put them on the stage again be like okay we're here to present a thing we're cool now. who knows i mean like but, I, I don't know what chris rock has said about it i mean he again hasn't said much but i do like, see he's been very silent he has been the only things that have been said are just like you know he he shouted down hecklers at his show uh, after the, yeah. the oscars but you know um, you know who's been loud tony rock he's been loud about it his tony- brother his is brother. that true? Yeah, his brother's okay. a comedian. He's been very loud about everything that's happened. Yeah, I'm glad. Hey, get some mileage out of it, and you know, we move forward as a nation. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least should move forward as a nation and move forward as a podcast because this story is not, does not need to keep being in the limelight. And so, I look forward to this week where we're past this and we can go to other things. So let's do that. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's go. Uh, let's get into some quickies. Trademark. Each and now we want to talk about the week that we're going to quickies. Trademark. I crushed that. Pretty good. It was pretty <laughs> good. Just going to tell you. If you slowed that one down, I legitimately crushed that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh maxwell let's go to you first what have you seen recently honestly nothing other than what we're gonna be talking about today i've been busy with other stuff i did see everything everywhere twice and loved it i know you guys nice. i think talked about that already but if you love um, it good to shout it out because it's great yeah it's it's a fantastic movie um see it if you haven't super innovative emotional and just awesome um but that's about it any uh, any tv you caught up on no i no not really oh really not i watched right. i watched is it cake <laughs> is it yeah, yes. like, yeah it is we, it is cake. are we cake right now <laughs> well that's the thing i'm like i'm watching the show i'm like am i cake <laughs> you pick up the remote like no the buttons don't <laughs> exactly yeah. your entire arm just falls i wanted to change the channel show. but man this remote is delicious i look yeah. forward to the documentary at sundance in years like as opposed to like that one about like thinking you're in a virtual world where it's like is all of me cake now and it's, it's boring people's minds the, the only other show i've been watching really right now is big brother canada oh um and just and waiting for better call Saul to come back so. is it more polite than the u.s big brothers I don't know if I would say it's more polite, but I will say that it's better. Um, right. I don't know if it's the casting department, but they tend to cast people who are more familiar with the show and really come to play. When you watch That's American Big Brother, you get a lot of like recruited models and Instagram people who have never seen the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more strategy and good gameplay on Canada. And the host is better. Um, so yeah, I, I, have a dumb, I have a dumb question. <laughs> no yeah. questions are done. Why is it <laughs> why is it called Big Brother? Like I know what a Big Brother is in from my concern. What why is the reality show called Big Brother? Because the slogan is Big Brother is always watching. So like this uh, omniscient oh, force oh, that that that, okay. that this omniscient force that's controlling all the cameras around the house they live in is called Big Brother. That's so much weirder than I thought it would be. I, I wasn't thinking about <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the Soviet Union reference. I was just thinking about Big Brothers. You know, like people that care for like no no it it has the Soviet <laughs> Union like Orwellian kind of reference to the nomenclature. Oh, I, I get that now that you've explained it. Yeah, that just this my... isn't like the Simpsons episode where you know Bart gets a Big Brother who rides a motorcycle that's exactly no. what i was thinking of. Tom? this is not a phil hartman situation this is this is a, a george orwellian nightmare <laughs> that is I, I was thinking friendlier but it, <laughs> no <laughs> okay no. well good to i'm glad i know that now let me scratch that off the list abe what have you seen recently i have caught up on a lot of tv uh so there's a lot going on right now on hbo including this flag means death which is the yeah, new show from our flag our, our flag, sorry, yeah, our flag means death uh, from Tekwa TD uh, and among others, and Reese Darby stars in it. It's it's a really fun show. Like it is a show that has like a, it seems like a lot of heart. I've only seen like one episode of it, but it's like, oh, you haven't even gotten started yet. Oh my no, god! No, yeah, all all that I've seen is like uh, Rory. Is it Rory Kinnear or yeah, Rory Kinnear? Yeah. yeah, just Rory Kinnear being super in his element of like a really tremendous actor playing like a really uh, a crappy character, but. Um, our flag means death it has it feels like it's got a ton of heart i love the way that they make uh the wind blow even though it's clearly on a set um and uh, i just it, love yeah if you like it now just wait until taika gets involved like a couple episodes in like it it, it becomes so much even more that i was already yeah. liking that show <laughs> yeah I, so i'm very excited to see where it goes because this company uh, i don't know if they're if they're working on the same title that they did for uh, all their past stuff like what we do in the shadows and whatever else but they're just so they're so creative, so fun, um, and again, they they have like a really nice um, like a care factor in their shows mm-hmm. that makes me. Uh, you see this in Taika's movies as well, where 
it's funny, but then all of a sudden it takes this emotional turn and you're just like, wow, I, I, um, I really appreciate him for covering a lot of bases. So can't wait to see more. Cool. How about you? That you said you're watching a bunch of TV. Just like, oh, well, I mean, you know, uh, as, as much as, uh, Aaron and I love watching HBO stuff, you know, we've already talked about, uh, winning time and we've also, uh, talked about, um, Bob's Burgers is back, but okay. the movie is coming out in a month. So we'll, I guess we'll wait on that. But as far as winning time goes, it's an off the wall, like portrayal of the Lakers in the, uh, right now it's 79, but as we move into the eighties, so, um, it's just fun to watch. Like I, as much as like a lot of it is like probably inaccurate, great job doing the production of, of everything here uh, and great, great casting. So, you, you know who I hear likes that show a lot. Who? That's right. Tony award winner, Leslie Odom jr. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. The, na- the nationwide guy. He does. He just watches it on uh, offhand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's good to know, but yes, yeah, winning time is is a hoot. Uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, just a lot of TV catch up. Aaron, I've uh, seen a few things. Uh, first up, I watched. That's right, the number three fan favorite Oscar, <laughs> whatever the award they have, uh, Minim- Minamata, uh, the Johnny Depp film that finally arrived in theaters. Oh, that one that finally arrived on VOD and in theaters, a limited release uh, this week despite being a film that was voted on by thousands of people because they apparently were able to see a movie that was not released except in Japan. Um, so <laughs> the thing is, this movie's not bad. Like, it's a good movie. It's it's whatever your feelings of Johnny Depp, like he plays this role of this journalist in the 70s that took on this real thing involving uh, water being poisoned by a company in Japan. Like, it, it's basically like Aaron Brockovich, except it's like yeah. another thing that happened and it's in Japan and it's quite sad. What was um, the uh, John Travolta movie that was similar? Uh, Civil Action. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Civil Action. And of course, there's the Mark Ruffalo one as well that's tackling similar things that has a very generic title that I cannot remember. It's a Todd Haynes film. Uh, what is it called? It's two words. Oh, that's going to bug me. Yeah, uh, I, I know what you're talking about. That, wasn't that also like a miniseries? No, it was a movie. Oh, yeah. it was a movie. Okay. But it was like Mark Ruffalo wants to use all this Avengers cachet to make a, you know, bring awareness to this thing uh, that happened. Uh, that's good. Hold on. <laughs> Dark waters. Dark water. Okay. Dark waters. Dark waters. Yeah. Dark waters. Well, they a, a knew. Robbie, they film. knew. They, it is a they knew movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's very much a they knew movie, just like his other movie that was a they knew movie. His best best, best picture winner. But anyway, Minamata. It's fine. Like it, it does its job for what okay. it is. Uh, it's still hilarious to me that the Johnny Depp like Legion rallied together on Twitter to vote it as an Oscar favorite. <laughs> but watching the actual movie, it's like, oh well, at least it's not a terrible movie. Um. So yeah, uh, what else? Uh, so it was a little man named uh, Francis Ford Coppola's birthday this week. Uh, I've been watching the Godfather films on 4K, um, which uh, I don't know if you've heard, but they're pretty good. Um, but uh, you know, I didn't have time to watch the third one yet. I didn't have three hours to spare. So I watched another Francis Ford Coppola movie in full in one viewing. It was called Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, um, hey. <laughs> a movie that you have not finished yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, it's uh, still very good. It's a it is a solid film. I'd argue in ways it's better than Back to the Future as far as 80s time travel movies go. Like they Francis Morgopola, not a slouch when it comes to filmmaking. Uh that's not me saying it's necessarily better than Back to the Future, but I do think there's elements that work better than even that movie, um, as far as how he handles character. Uh also Nick Cage is a ride in that movie. So there you go. Yeah, he's really good. Sorry, Nick Coppola at that time, I think. Still. <laughs> um, he didn't change his name yet. Uh, what else? Uh, speaking of TV, um, I finished Severance 
the Apple oh, series okay. that had its season finale this week, the show starring Adam Scott, uh, among others, including a, a very good John Turturro, actually, as far as the cast goes. The cast is all really killing good. Killing it lately. He has been killing it lately. It's, and it's such a, given how big he's been playing other characters and playing this kind of more reserved character, it's quite notable. Uh, but the, the show itself, I really enjoy. I think it's a very clever premise. Um, and Ben Stiller directed, I think, six out of nine episodes. And lately, whatever he's directing, I'm interested because he's just knocking it out. Um, but that said, the finale itself, thrilling. Wow. It is a fantastic finale to an episode season of television. I was just completely engaged from start to finish with this one. Like it has, it, it, it sets itself up well for whatever happens then. And it very much knocks it out. And I'm very happy that the second season was already approved earlier in the week because you'd be pulling your hair out thinking, what? It's going to end there? And, but it's not. It's going to keep going. So good for that. I just say it's high on my list of things to watch when I have a little more time. I've just been so busy. Cool, cool. Well. I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts because it's quite the good show. There's been a lot of praise from a lot of folks about that season finale. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, very curious to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's on a quiz. Trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to our first review for the evening, for the morning, for the day of Ambulance. Officers down in front of the bank. Automatic weapons being fired. Easy, easy, easy. easy. You want to drive or can I drive? Bank robbery suspects have taken an ambulance. I got a cop shot. Gotta get him to the hospital. We're doing hostages now. No! I came to you for a loan. You're my brother. Have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? Lock everything down. We're just trying to get home. We don't get to walk off into the sunset. I have a plan. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Ambulance. Michael Bay has been attempting to move in a new direction as of late. After a too-long stint directing Transformers movies, which now make up a third of his filmography, the desire to go back to more standard action fare is very understandable. With plans stalled in making a different, larger film due to the pandemic, Bay felt he needed to shoot something cheap and fast in order to keep his energy up. The result is a remake of a Danish film, which involves two brothers racing through L.A., away from the cops following a botched bank robbery. They happen to be also carrying an EMT and a wounded cop hostage. All sorts of bayhem ensues. Maxwell, there have been many opinions out there concerning Bay's style of filmmaking. Does he generally work for you? And what'd you think of this film? Yeah, so I, um, the the latter Transformers sequels notwithstanding, I've always had something of a soft spot for Michael Bay. Obviously, he deals in excess. His movies are over the top. And for better or worse, he has a very distinctive style. He has cultivated over the last 20 to 30 years what is you know, lovingly considered Bayhem. So I feel like when you watch an action movie, you can tell it's by Michael Bay. So I was intrigued by the notion of him coming back to something a little smaller, having to work with a tighter budget. So, you know, I wasn't like frothing at the mouth to see it, but it was on my radar. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of surprised actually at how much I disliked Ambulance. Um, I am not one of those people who always is preaching that movies need to be shorter. I very much believe that a movie needs to be exactly as long as it needs to be. There can be amazing three-hour movies and great 70-minute movies. And uh, this, to me, is one of the more egregious examples of a movie that just goes on way, way, way far past the constraints of its story. Um, There is a very thrilling, tight 90-minute movie about two brothers in a long ambulance-based car chase after a bank robbery goes wrong. There is like 40 to 50 minutes in this movie of subplots and extra characters brought in to, I think the intent is to raise the stakes and make it more 
impactful and it absolutely lost me. I don't want to spoil anything, but a certain element in particular that was brought in, I thought was presented with such surface level stereotypical characters and like the most just like this is 2022 bay that you know this stuff maybe flew in the 90s but you have to adjust with the the times a little bit i thought the cinematography was so overdone if i had one more drone shot down the side of a building in my face i was gonna maybe either throw up or throw my popcorn like okay we get it you discovered how to do this with the drones michael maybe use it a little more sparingly and then the thing that really bugged me, and I don't necessarily think you have to like a main character in a movie, you just have to find them intriguing. And with all credit to Jake Gyllenhaal, who is an incredible actor and I think is engaging in this film, I just hated his character so, so, so much. I found him thoroughly repugnant. I found nothing redeeming about him. Um, it was as if he was just perpetually strung out on coke throughout the entire film and just made the dumbest decisions for a guy who's supposed to be an expert, whose father was an expert. He just is so bad at what he does and makes such terrible decisions that it's just like, well, you deserve what you get. And this last two hours and 20 minutes wasted my time and made me angry. You know, I agree with everything you've said, except for the thing about Gyllenhaal, who I do like in this movie. Like I was compelled by him, by his energy, uh, which is obviously the thing he's going for and whether or not you, you know, go along with it or not, that's a different story. But with that said, uh, the th I agree with like the complaints you have about the film, yet I still really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I had a good time watching it. I don't disagree about the cinematography, for example. Uh, I the fact that Bay discovered these drone cameras and wanted to use them in film, I think is creative, but as far as the impl implementation, it it's hilarious to me how he constantly does that same move as far as you're on the top of the building, then you just fly off the down the building and go, you know, chasing after a car. And it's not without like rhyme or reason. It just feels like, yeah, there's another time for doing this. And that's fun. <laughs> uh, with, and like even the shots themselves, like Bay's usually, he can be pretty seamless about these things as far as, kind of having a sh uh, an elaborate shot like that and then like goes through a window or something. This one doesn't really do that. Just kind of like has the shot and then moves on from it, which is like, it's weird directorial decisions, but I guess I can get it because it's not a $100 million movie. It's a relatively cheaper $40 million movie for Bay. Mm -hmm. So I just, I guess he just, he can't deliver on that kind of thing. So he wants to make up for it by making these kind of things. All of this is to say his style in this film is in full force, even as a $40 million movie. It still looks like you could, it's not hard to look at this and be like, this is a Michael Bay film. Like it's all right there on the screen. He maximizes his budget as much as he maximizes the amount of Bayhem going on on camera. And that's the stuff I generally enjoy. Even as one that knows LA fairly well, having cars running all over the place and geogra geographically confusing manners, I was into just because I felt like the energy was there to keep me going. It's very much a ephemeral kind of film. The things that are happening in the moment for me worked. If I take any second to analyze them, they don't work much as well, much much at all. But that's what he's going for. Like, there's not a beyond. And we can get into this later, but beyond like a admiration for emergency service workers and I don't know what he wants, what kind of commentary he wants to make on like health insurance or what have you, but like there's nothing to this beyond just the very plot that it's trying to like uh, deal with and for this film. Uh, but I had fun with it. I had fun watching Jill and I'll do his thing. We can talk more about the other cast members later, but there's, there's a lot of stuff here that didn't make me like pine for nineties action movies or what have you, but like mm -hmm. 
for all the things that I didn't like about the film, because I don't think it's Faye's best film, there's plenty of stuff here that just kept me focused and kept me engaged in a way where I was enjoying my time watching the film. But Abe, how about, how about you? Where do you think of Ambulance? Yeah, I think that there's some interesting things going on with Ambulance. You, you guys have both uh, pointed out. Um, I, I I was also making a note to myself that once Michael Bay knew how to use drones from 13 Hours, is like, oh, he's really using it a lot in this movie. Um, seemingly, like to your point, randomly at times, just giving me a sense of like, hey, cool. You guys remember when I did this shot with the twist with a drone 30 seconds ago? Here's another one. Um, I certainly like that there is an element of style to this. Uh, where he's like, hey, if I were to make a bank robber movie, how about if we just cut to the chase? Like, if we got to, like, the Neil McCauley scene where they're just, like, leaving the bank as the first sequence, what if we just did that and then kept it going speed style? And, again, these are not original ideas. They've been written about from other people uh, comparing these these three movies. But I, I would agree that uh, the movie could just be a little bit shorter. It could be a little bit tighter, and I would probably be pretty engaged and enthralled through it because at a certain point I was like, Great, they're just going to do the same thing. They're they're going to get into a type of situation where they're going to um, uh, kind of like haphazardly uh, get through it in some way or manner. And some of it is a little bit more, uh, uh, I guess, uh, wild than others. But even that wild part, I was like, see, you could keep that, but you could have cut out like another sequence where you guys just had the same repetition of um, Jake Gyllenhaal kind of like coming up with a plan on the fly, thinking that he knows more than these cops and. Um, I also appreciated that there's a sense of um, both parties are are a little bit like in their element, but also kind of dumb because there's Jake Gyllenhaal kind of like, I'm masterminding this thing. I've run it to a T. And then you also have like Gary Delahunt being like, hey, man, I totally know what I'm doing. I've done this before. I'm in a box, man. But also there's just a ton of mayhem, mayhem uh, and destruction going around. So Ultimately, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know what he's trying to say here because Michael Bay has definitely been a person that has uh, messages in his movies about, you know, supporting law enforcement, whatever else. Like, it's just really um, kind of like out there sometimes. But it is a very fascinating movie when you take like the Isa Gonzalez character into it because I <laughs> kind of was like, oh, this is cool that there's like a movie saying, by the way, EMT workers and uh, people that work in the field of medicine. Uh, don't get enough credit. Here's some credit to them. And I also, I thought that her performance was really good. I, she certainly brings a, a sense of um, groundedness to the role. And also she herself is a pretty practical character in the movie. So I, I appreciated that. So um, minus like a few things here and there, but there's just a lot of uh, whimsy from these other characters. And yet she's kind of just being like, I, I know what movie I'm in. So I appreciate the movie, but I also found it to be a little bit repetitive um, and also uh, a little long. So I I see what Bay, Bay is doing. And I agree with you that 40 million bucks never looked better on screen, but it, it's a movie where I was like, oh man, I just wish you guys had made a tighter movie. Looking at it being repetitive, which I agree with, like that's why it's longer because he wanted to insert this other element but it's like he kind of like choose one at one point you can't, sure. you can't like yeah. make the movie where they're constantly like on the freeway then on the la river then on the freeway again then back in the i don't know how they got to the river so fast by the way i don't know <laughs> i don't know where that exit ramp is exactly that they got back and forth from the 110 to the la river but um like doing that and like the drone shots that we mentioned already like there's a, there is a lot of like stuff that's repeating because he just he can't do any more tricks based off I assume the budget and like LA locations he has to film with, mm -hmm. but then yes, then he adds this other thing on top, which I can get is added because 
without that, you just have a chase movie. Not the worst thing, but Bade knows his audience has seen that before. It's like, how do I up the stakes here? When that's his solution, it's like, okay, Uh, (laughs) Max, like I know what you're getting at as far as certain stereotypes being involved or what have you. And then there's just like the over elaborateness of the plan, uh, which includes like remote controls and dummies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just, um, it's, a, it's a lot to take in. Uh, I guess I wondered, Maxwell, to you, because you're you're not as positive on this film as Abe and I are. Where, where did where did it lose you? Um, I'm trying to. I mean, I was already fairly early on on thin ice with the cinematography and I know Bay is Bay and I know what he does, what he does. But for some reason in this movie, it felt like he lost his thread more. So like I, like I said, I was enticed by the notion of him doing a smaller movie again, but it seems like he learned all the wrong lessons from the Transformers movies and wasn't able to match the story with the style he was using. Mm -hmm. This felt like, a uh, $200 million sci-fi movie, which maybe is to the credit of how he can make his dollars show on screen. But when you're trying to do a small scale, you know, mostly three character film, but I think it lost me with all of its side characters it kept introducing. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the most engaging element here was the dynamic between the three people, four people really stuck in the ambulance. And every time we would cut back to Garrett Dillahunt, who is good in the movie, but there's all these these side characters, the cop who's in the ambulance's partner, the um, but the moment where, okay, excuse me for being a little off base. I know when it thoroughly fully lost me. It's when a piece of information was revealed about an agent character who was brought in as just another pawn on this chessboard Michael Bay has that was oh, a character okay. I didn't feel like we needed at, at all. We already had like uh, a police figurehead and Garrett Dillahunt and then we cut to this other character and I'm like what is happening how is this going to fold in okay he's federal agent and then we found something else out about him and I was just like nah I'm good mm-hmm. I mean I, I I know what you're saying that's a big guffaw moment as far as like what it's going for which which humored me because like, I don't think this movie lacks a sense of humor I think it's very much going for a thing whether or not you like it that's you know that is what it is but I I mean I like having the outside element in the same way that's akin to other like hostage movies i i agree like the superior stuff is the claustrophobic stuff in the ambulance like that's i think what attracted bay to this to begin with it's like what if i can do a movie where it's just an ambulance the whole time but like it, that's the stuff where it reminded me of like jerry bruckheimer movies from the 90s as far as having like a, a solid like supporting character actor cast that kind of backs this thing up does it add to the runtime or does it add like over complications? I guess so. But like none of these, none of the, like none of the law enforcement performances bothered me so much as far as what they're, I don't think you think that they're as far as they're being bad, but I just think you're, you're saying that they add too much to it, but I, I don't know. Like I was, I, I, I think, I, I was you know, again, around. I think, I think it was just one or two too many. Sure. I think you only needed one major figurehead. And as you kept introducing more characters, then we had to learn their names, learn some stuff about them, learn how they may or may not have ties to what's going on. It was just like the hole kept being dug deeper and deeper. And as so, you just lost focus away from what the actual narrative of the movie was trying to be. Yeah, I thought that way too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's like this weird... Um, it, it it seems like it's like uh, science, but it's actually pseudoscience. It's like my Michael Bay is probably thinking, if I were to add in this element, which is a true thing of like, hey, the police, the Fed, the Feds kind of control like a lot of like the bank policing. So I would like to add this element in. 
And then later, what if there's like a plot twist where they kind of had some shared history in the back? It's like that doesn't actually amount to anything because you haven't given me like this uh, federal agent's background early enough. Well, and also, of him, I think I mean, we need to care for like why they would um, uh, like why what I would uh, care about like even past shared history. I mean, I think it's a way to enhance one of the ambulance people's characters without having them just say out loud things that they did. I mean, it's a way to get around certain kinds of exposition. I'm not saying it's an amazing mm-hmm. choice, but I do think it's, I think there's purpose both in that and in uh, casualties that take place as far as, well, we, we still need this element to be here, but we also want to raise the stakes more. Again, these don't necessarily justify everything, but I, I can see the logic of the film as far as why it's introducing certain aspects to, better enhance the rest of the movie based on the plot sure. they unfold. It's more of a plot thing overall, as far as getting to where these issues come from. It's like, oh yeah, we had to add this and this and this. We had to complicate, complicate, complicate. It's like, well, then it gets too complicated. I not a, not a, this is why it's not Bay's best film. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I guess I just, I appreciated the energy that they're bringing. It's like the stuff of Dillahunt and like the person in the van with him. I think there's fun stuff happening there the part the cop's partner that has like his own subplot of i guess wanting to (laughs) wanting to uh make up for whatever error he believes he's made that's it's dumb in a way that i enjoyed like as far as how committed he was doing this Uh, because there's a lot of very elaborate police car chases that take place in this movie because it's basically an extended car chase for the most part Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know it's stuff that it's the kind of thing where I'm like, how dumb can we go before it's too dumb? And I guess it never crossed quite crossed that line for me as far as being too dumb for me to handle. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on, that's where I'm like with Maxwell. I was like, there were a few times where I just threw my hands up in the air in the theater. I was like, I had, this doesn't make sense. Oh, I definitely threw my hands. There's a lot of hand-throwing like, moments. In this yeah. movie. That like, that like overused gif now from Kirby Enthusiasm with Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> where you're just like, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> But that's where I think that's where the runtime speaks because the original Danish movie is like 80 minutes. Yeah, um, I mean, Bay, and this I, one I, is like two hours and 15 two, minutes. Yeah, it's 215. I know Bay has said out loud, like, I did not watch the original movie. I did not read the script for the original movie. Sure, he's, sure. He's already made his own movie. <laughs> like, he did not. That's totally fine. That, yeah. That's like Scorsese, you know, Infernal Affairs and, uh, and uh, what's the the one that he won Departed. the Academy Award for? The Departed. Right. But I, I certainly uh, definitely can understand like, hey, this is a cool premise. Let me make my movie based off of it. That totally is fine. But yeah, if if you cut down the runtime, you don't have to have as, as many characters. And uh, then I can just get to like the, the meat and bone of things. And that's where I think that the juice that you're talking about can keep pumping. And then I'm just like, oh, wow, it was a, it was like a neat like 90 minutes or like a neat like 100 minutes. And I, I'm really satisfied. So let's talk about that juice a little bit because the ambulance factor in the movie Ambulance certainly plays the biggest role here. Um, we've talked about Gyllenhaal a bit. What do you think of Gyllenhaal in this movie? I'm kind of with Maxwell. Like there are some times where I, I really dug it, but also like there is some times where I was pretty annoyed. I think I mostly was annoyed because I I don't I just wish that they the who's the writer on this like Chris uh, Fedick? Fedick? Yeah, mm-hmm. Chris Fedick. It's like I wish that you had just either made him really smart. Or just really off the rails um, because there's times where they're like, well, no, he's like the smartest guy. He like took as many classes as he could and they drop out of crim school. It's like, mm, yeah, but now he's like making all these like weird rookie mistakes and seems like he doesn't know what he's doing. But I, I wish that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was like either given like, you're just a really smart guy and uh, you're also like really great at this. So you're Neil McCauley, but 
uh, on speed. It's like that would have been interesting. I, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to note with Chris Fedick, who wrote the screenplay, that this is the first movie he's ever written. He's only ever written that. television and he's written really good TV. He, he created Chuck and Prodigal Son and then wrote for like Legends of Tomorrow. But there is very much a television aspect to the screenplay in the way instead of keeping it tight, you keep introducing new things with the notion that those are going to pay off later. Um, So the fact that this is his first movie screenplay that's at least been made into a movie, I think that sort of tracks. I'd argue with Gyllenhaal, though, this feels less like a writer's issue and more of a Bay and Gyllenhaal decided to do this thing. Like <laughs> they they have a, they have a skeletal structure of what this is supposed to be, and Gyllenhaal, you know, he's he has a way of doing things, as we see when he tries to go manic. That he's like, well, I'm going to do this, and Michael Bay is like, Yeah, that's great. Let's keep going. Like that feels more of that than the script is telling me to have a conversation about flamingos and paint at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I just I feel like that's the energy he was deliberately bring and you're talking about like the idea that he's like this smart person it's like i i i get that he had to get to certain plays but i feel like the movie justifies enough of he's strung out and like too stressed and too out of control to like <laughs> to, to for me to like consider my consider like be, being worried about how smart this man is it just seems like he's just gone like from the from the intro from his manic intro it's like hey we need you brother we need sure. you to go on this thing on this this day for this elaborately planned heist we happen to also need a fifth guy <laughs> right you happen to be here what are and, the odds <laughs> and we're doing it in the next 10 minutes like, I, so i feel like the movie sets out from the beginning that okay so this guy's not the brightest of bulls <laughs> like he's he might think that he has a plan here but if he needs a guy on the day to do this job and he's yeah. going to enlist his brothers like okay so this- it's yeah <laughs> it's not so much like uh how jake is portraying it, it's how other people are reacting to him where it's like you know, again, this is why I found it fascinating that between the the two, the dichotomy of Jake Gyllenhaal and Garrett Dillhunt, where it's like, that's a military move. It's like, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's totally understandable that there's history about, you know, what's his dad's name? Like, JT, LT. Um, uh, and it's like, I get that the, he's like a really, like, he's done this before. He's seasoned. He's like a vet of, of all these bank robberies. Um, hilarious that they haven't caught him, even though he's robbed 37 banks. Well, this is in Los this, Angeles. This is his big one. That's the thing. Yeah, like, okay. this, this is the, the he's, he's only been doing like the, the local municipality banks in the in the I mean they region. established this like this 32 million dollar score that like this is the biggest yeah. one he's ever done. That's the and it, right. and, and you already he already had like his crew already had feds on them, which is that's yeah. just bad due diligence on his part as far as recruiting people for this mission. <laughs> for being a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that Jake was again, he's Maxwell, you said it right, like he's he's a phenomenal actor. Um, but yeah, this role just required him to, or he wanted this character to be like unhinged and, and off the rails. And, um, I would love just to see, uh, that character rather than like a calmer, like, I'm going to talk you through this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is what I'm going for. And Hey, by the way, like do this for your family. Kind of like, nah, if you were just like coked up off the rails, I would have been like, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is just like a crazy guy. Well, looking at over to Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who I like, uh, I've said this many times, I think he's a very good screen presence and I'm happy to see him in bigger movies. He is doing that calmer uh, character by necessity. It'd be weird to have two over-the-top crazy characters, although <laughs> that's also a movie. Um, but what do you guys think? I, 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 for me, I think he... I think he's not, he's for the first two thirds, he's not given a lot beyond he's just participating in this thing. And then it kind of ramps him up more as far as 
emotional investment or what have you in the third act but where where are you guys with with him in this movie as the the counterbalance i certainly thought that he was bringing a common presence and it's a story that has been told time and time again um of, of his background but also he just doesn't he isn't really given a whole much uh, a whole lot to do which i i found kind of a bummer like i i like yaya as well he's a cal guy he ran track over <laughs> cal um and i just felt as though i was like hey i really dug you in Candyman. <laughs> But this is a sharp turn in the other way of just like, I know that you're trying to bring something to this character of Will Sharp of having him like have a conscious uh, or a conscience um, in this whole entire situation and, and why there's like this estrangement between you and your brother. But um, there's just like also not a whole lot that he can do uh, with this. Excellent. Yeah, I, th- I, I think he's solid. I think he does just about the best he can do with what the material he's given. He's a really charismatic, engaging actor. So even within material, he's very watchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think like the, the push and pull between the two brothers when it's working is some of the more engaging stuff in the movie. And I think a lot of that is thanks to Yaya. He does ground this movie. Um, and uh, alongside the other Isaac Gonzalez's character, they do become the sort of heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I did like, you know, I, I think his motivation reminded me a lot of something like John Q, um, where when your your family is absolutely strapped and there's medical concerns and you need, um, you're desperate, you'll do things that you normally wouldn't do. And so, you know, there is an interesting, maybe underdeveloped, but interesting uh indictment of the american healthcare system particularly as it pertains to the way <clears throat> vets are treated when they when they come back and are no longer serving mm-hmm. um that's you know a, big... a better film would have explored that more deeply but i think that is an interesting little element uh in the film yeah michael bay is not gonna i know you're not saying you expect him to like michael bay is not gonna do that with this movie but i do think it it, it does lead to or it does it enhances Michael Bay's th- continued thoughts about wanting to respect veterans and respect the, like, as I mentioned, like the EMTs, like the, the emergency right. service people, like that's very much something on his mind. That, however far he wants to probe that, that's up to him and his films. Obviously, like 13 Hours is one where he's doing that in a way. Um, but like, I I can see that with it, a lot of, with most of his movies, even the Transformers movies, there's a certain kind of regard he seems to want to bring when it comes to uh, you know uh, soldiers in, in action and what have you which is it's interesting uh, and i would be curious if one day he did want to actually do I, th- I think he probably wanted to as far as something like pearl harbor or something like 13 hours but if there's an even deeper drama he sometimes he won't want to make i'd be interested in that but um sorry to keep it to just keep it at the ambulance stuff because we have a, there's still a lot going on within this ambulance we have a number of things here i won't detail all of them but there's a scene of basically body horror that takes place there is a sing-along that takes place there's a close quarters fight that takes place did you guys enjoy the the general ambulance stuff happening so throughout this chase? The, the the body horror bit was one of my favorite bits in the movie because i i love that sort of thing sure but without throwing him under the bus and saying his name my my good friend who is my you know most frequent movie going buddy he does not handle that sort of stuff well. So I was having even more fun watching him squirm in his seat. He was like covering his face with his his hoodie and like making these like guttural noises. And I was like clapping my hands in delight. So yeah, I think those little elements like, and that to me shows that there was a 90, 95 minute 
sure. mostly ambulance set movie where there's still ways to keep it interesting. The sing along was was fun because it, it it makes the connection between the brothers work. And again, the body horror scene was one of my favorite bits in the movie. I, I it, was, it was real gross. It is. And I was surprised how gross it was as far as like, oh, so we're real gross. And we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. And, and they're like, it's trying to balance that with, you know, a level of humor because of the situation that's being presented and how things are being dictated. <laughs> but it's like, this is insane. <laughs> but right. hey, where were you with this? Or did you handle I, this well? I, I did. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think like medical Twitter also was like, hey, this is kind of, we haven't seen this before, but this is kind of a neat thing. Oh yeah, I'm sure medical Twitter loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, we mentioned this earlier. There's just a lot of stuff that is more interesting going on within the confines of these four wheels and uh, this truck, right? Uh, and I really dug that. So the song thing was funny, played for laughs, but also a meaningful moment. And I also just enjoyed that there was um, tension within this confined space that you, is it manufactured? Yes, because there's like, you know, people there and the, the notion of an ambulance is, uh, you understand like the connotations there. But I really dug that there was like a lot of stuff that you can do there and if we focused on that, that would have been um, a more interesting movie. So, you know, like, yes, we, we have uh, Speed, for example. Like, we have, like, the bus stuff, and then we also have the cop stuff. But there's uh, interesting things that are going on in that bus, even though there's, like, it's it's very mundane, right? So, it, but... it, it throws the right kind of speed. I mean, speed, what helps about speed is that it's a perfect movie. Uh, like, yeah. it, it's, it's executed in a way where the events that occur feel organic, and they feel like plausible obstacles in the midst of a ridiculous situation where this movie's mm -hmm. like, let, what if he makes a call to a guy to add like an insane, like other thing to take place that will cause all kinds of problems. It doesn't feel necessary. It just feels like the a, a next step for the sake of more explosions. And it's like, mm -hmm. ah, okay, like that's, yeah. that's one way to do it. As far as just real quick, as far as the musical thing goes, the sing along, I'm very happy that it cut to not hearing the music, but right. just hearing them. That made it amazing. <laughs> that, that was wonderful. Yeah, that was funny. Um, two more things um, that I have. Um, outside of the ambulance, there obviously is still a lot of car chasing and what have you. Did you we've talked about the cinematography of it, but do, do you appreciate the, I guess, the, the action in this movie, including the shootout stuff from early on? Like, was that... Did that stuff like as far as Bay doing action right without transforming robots for a change of pace? Did you did you like that? I mean, certainly there's an element that I was thinking about, which I was sad when I thought about it, which is like, hey, this has really good sound editing. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because the shootout stuff and Bay has been big about guns in his movies and different types of weapons and whatever else. So, um, or loud machines and whatever. But the sound design is is very good in those downtown scenes or wherever it is. Um, friend of the show, Todd Gilchrist, wrote in his article that it was just like a little bit geographically incomprehensible. Yeah. I would kind of agree with that with like the shootout stuff too. Where I was like, I don't know what's happening here. Like there's like two different exits. I don't know where these people are supposed to be. Um, there's like, I don't know how far they got before like they got got. Uh, so it's very like <laughs> hard to decipher. But I enjoyed that there was, um, again, like let's just cut to it uh right in the first like 15 minutes of the movie and then get it over with and the rest of the movie it, we can focus on something else so the action in itself is probably not as good as 13 hours in terms of what could be done and what could be shown on the screen but you know it's um i, I just give it i gave it props for its sound design 
I mean, we're, we're far after heat at this point and looking at the bank shootout, it's like, well, that's the one you want to match essentially, or try to live right. up to. And it's like, no, this one's not, it's not even doing as closely to like Den of Thieves, which that's a movie, but it does have an amazing <laughs> shootout. <laughs> taking I also it. had comparisons to that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did think of Den of Thieves when watching yeah. this. I don't. I can't disagree. <laughs> okay, so the I guess the, the the last question I have. I mean, we've seen this now. We've seen this kind of smaller film from Bay. Before this, he had Six Underground on Netflix, which was again not Transformers, but still like a hundred fifty million dollar movie. It's expensive. Um, yeah. yeah, it was expensive. I, I rewatched it before 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 seeing or around seeing I, actually no i watched half of it before ambulance and the other half after ambulance because it's a it's a lot of movie um <laughs> but my point uh, is so we've seen kind of these bigger bay movies and we obviously have these you know this something like this that's smaller and you know he's had these smaller things in between transformers we had pain and gain which was like i think like 20 ish million dollars that was only 20 yeah, no, it's a, it was a, it was, that was his small movie, <laughs> Pain of Game, like his little, that was his indie movie, as he puts mm-hmm. in quotation marks when he says it. And then like 13 Hours even was not like an expensive movie. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a certain scale. But like, where does, where does Bay go next from here? Like, Maxwell, do you want to see him continue and engage in something kind of fast and loose like this, even though you didn't particularly like this particular film? Or do you want to see him go back to like epic events for a Bay movie? <clears throat> I mean, when I look back at which of his movies are my favorites, I still think I would rather see him play in the smaller sandbox because I think especially the latter Transformers movies, he just let the the gizmos and gadgets completely get a hold of him. But yeah, I, I think this was a step in the right direction. And like I said at the beginning, I was super intrigued by him taking this step because it's, you know... You would think Michael Bay is just going to keep making these huge movies. And so to see him step back a little bit to what he was doing in the 90s. But he's 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 not an untalented filmmaker. He just lets his worst instincts get the best of him a lot of the time, I think. Um, But I do still think he has another one or two good smaller scale action movies in him with the right script. It is. A, I do think it's a script thing overall. Like I do think it comes down to if he has the right script and the and people to kind of re- the thing with the '90s. I, I want to hear your thoughts too. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. skip over you, but like no, the, no, thing no with, worries, the thing yeah. the thing with the '90s is he had Bruckheimer there right with him, and Bruckheimer yep. is a guy that called the shots. Also, ah. like very big factor in that. That's why The Rock is his best, or at least for me, his best movie. Even back in this movie, even the first Transformers, Spielberg was more involved with that one than the rest of the Transformers, which is yep. I feel like that's very apparent. Hmm. That said, he's produced his own movies. I think I want to say since Armageddon, maybe like he's been a he's been a producer on a good majority of the films at this point. And I do, yeah, the you know the buck stops with him essentially, and so it's probably maybe after Pearl Harbor, maybe that's when he started producing his own movies because he quit Pearl Harbor like three times <laughs> while making it because um, <laughs> he did not have a good, he did not have a good experience making that movie, and wow. the movie is not a good experience. So it was saying it, but but I. I'm with you as far as yes, yeah, seeing him play in this kind of sandbox. That's, I mean, I like this movie, so that like that's desirable. But I, I also I would be curious to see what he would do with, you know, like if you're gonna make an event movie, like a you know, like Nolan, like Michael Bay has a new movie this year. Like, what's that gonna be, especially when it doesn't involve IP? And the fact that he's one of the few directors that can do that now, that especially now that he's away from that franchise, that can deliver like something that's grand and spectacle very much auteur driven by his very specific style that people would maybe go see ambulance and not do well this weekend but in general would go see I, i'm curious what that would be if like every three years 
we got a big Michael Bay movie that's like the you know one of the biggest movies of the year in terms of budget like what that could accomplish but you know we'll see but hey where where are you with it between these two options where, where did you want to see yeah I mean I I appreciate when Michael Bay does smaller things where he's just like hey let me let me show you that I'm uh why I got into filmmaking and also like how the movies that I appreciate in the past are uh, sort of like engaging me now and how I can make them better slash worse slash um, give it my own take. So I like that Michael Bay is also a person that knows who he is. Like, he's just like, I like explosions. I like practical explosions. Yeah. <laughs> I like loud noises and stuff. I like hot women on the screen and whatever the case is. It's like, that's totally fine and good. But what if you were to just like peel it back a little bit and really test yourself again, like test yourself, like not just like from a box or from a budget standpoint, but from um, like a directing standpoint, I don't know if Michael Bay can ever get there. Like, you know, you've seen his cameos in bad boys for and, and whatever else. And I've told the story, my favorite story of Michael Bay with Bill Hader, like on the show before. So Michael Bay's just like really into himself, but I, I would love to see him make an attempt and, Maxwell, your your point about like maybe like a few more in the can um, before he calls it a career. It's like I would be curious to see what those are, but um, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's it, Michael Bay. It does feel like he's does he's try like I I agree with you as far as how far can he go to not be a version of himself, but I I don't think he hasn't not tried to do that. Like I, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I like I think the island was a one example of him a good of, point. A, of a first attempt where the first half of that movie is pretty it, i mean it's still stylish but it certainly yeah. dials things down before the second half of that movie where it becomes and for movie. what it's worth and i know i am unique in this opinion the island is my second favorite movie he's made mm -hmm. fair enough nice yeah um i i agree it, it is him at least for the first half trying something different and i thought it worked well but considering how reactionary hollywood is i'm curious to see if the weak box office for this affects his career or if it won't because he's michael bay and he can do what he wants right. but i could definitely see a scenario where he's like well i tried something small no one wanted to see it and he bounces back and makes like gi joe versus transformers versus freddy versus jason part eight <laughs> and like and it's like a 400 million dollar budget and like mark Wahlberg is up on screen like fighting the rock and and it's also a <laughs> stealth pain and gain sequel and then oh my god it's a holographic sean connery and now they got to break into Alcatraz, but at least they have robots on their size now. So See, anything is possible with this yeah. guy. That's where I'm just like, I would watch that movie. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I just made a Fandango note on that one to make sure I get my ticket. Um, I, 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 it's the reactionary thing. I, I, I have to like, unfortunately agree because it's like, I don't want to necessarily see him go to some franchise thing as opposed to just doing something original again, but it does make me wonder. Yeah. The movie, it's his lowest opening of any of his movies. It has an A minus cinema score. People like it. Uh, so maybe the streaming numbers will be good in 45 days or whatever, but what is that next move? Will he be able to, I mean, he will be able to make another movie. He is Michael Bay, as you pointed out, but will he, will he, you know, like many stars or directors do jump to something that's more commercially friendly um, as a result before he's able to go back doing something more that he specifically like wants to seek out i don't know what that answer is but uh i guess time will tell uh Abe, any more questions uh, about ambulance before we move on no let's do it let's keep moving okay so when should people go and see this movie ambulance is currently playing in theaters and imax as you might be able to tell by the the imax poster for this movie that says imax bigger than the actual title <laughs> of the movie 
uh, Max, so when do you be able to see this? This is one of those ones where I have a, a conflicted answer to this question because I do think a theater and an IMAX screen enhances this movie. As Abe said, the sound design is great and the action's good. But in terms of my qualitative thoughts on it, mm-hmm. wait till it's for free on streaming. There you go. That's the one. Abe? Uh, this is an HBO movie. This is like something that you can watch on premium HBO. Like back in the day when it would come out on HBO before it came out on to like, you know, cable services. I would say dollar theater because I do think seeing the Bayhem on the big screen uh, for a movie that I did like uh, is suitable. But in a world where everything everywhere all at once and RRR exists, it's like, right. we'll see those first on the big screen, then go to the dollar theater and watch Ambulance. Yeah, like, right. That's a, that's a good place for it. All oh, right. God. I'm seeing RRR this week, finally. Great. Nice. I'm excited. I just to find a three hour chunk after work has been tough, but this uh, week, I think I have understandable, the time. but it's like this is if there's a three hour chunk to find, this is the one to find it for. That, that's how I, I felt think when I, I found was watching it. the Batman part uh, for the second time as well. I was like, where can I find another three hours? When when Batman came out, I had time, and then these past few weeks, I've been busier. So, but this week, I think I can make it work. Well, you know what they say March, <laughs> yes, March free time brings April showers. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my God. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard that, I would now have one dollar. <laughs> Got his ass. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on now. Let's get to our next review for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. These rings signify the commitment. So help me, Thomas. Sorry, sorry. Life or death situation. I need you to use the ring to save me, like right now. No, my God. Oh boy. Ah, Hawaii. I just hope we are not too late. Oh lord, there are two of them now. What's happening? Uh, Okay, quick version. Robotnik is back. I discovered the source of ultimate power. We need to get it back or the world is doomed. You brought some kind of... Space porcupine. I am an echidna warrior. That should have been some of the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Here's a fun fact. The pandemic is going on so long (laughs) that two Sonic movies have been released. As the first Sonic the Hedgehog film was essentially the last blockbuster to arrive in theaters before the world shut down in 2020, uh, director Jeff Fowler and his team reunited quickly to get the ball rolling on the second film. The resulting film has brought more fan favorites into play, including Tails, voiced by Colleen O'Shaughnessy, and Knuckles, voiced by Idris Elba. This time around, Sonic finds himself battling against Knuckles, and once again, Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey, who has returned from his exile on the Mushroom Planet. The villains have a plan to capture a Master Emerald, which may prove too dangerous for the universe unless Sonic can do something about it with help from Tails. Abe, yes, I think we had settled on Sonic being a pretty decent film, the first one. What did you think about this sequel? I thought that it was a uh, it was a decent sequel. I, I was glad that there were still some elements of I want to keep this a little bit low key. And again, we've talked about like bigger and better and whatever else. Do I think that it's a it's a better movie of, of, over the first one? Not really. I think that's largely because James Marsden doesn't have a whole lot to do. So you're given more of like um, a CG element uh, and also just like traveling around the world trying to discover like a, a chaos emerald. But what I dug about it is that this is something that we'll get to later in terms of larger discussion. But what I dug about it is that it knows that it doesn't have to adhere strictly to a video game premise. Like there's elements in this that are part of the video game that 
and then there are elements that are not part of the video game where it's just like you know i've never met any of these people before i only know of these count or these these video game characters and i think what what really is like neat about that is we can do we can add in other plot elements now that make it more interesting for audiences that are children and adults i saw this like in a packed theater i my seat was socially distanced from everybody else but i saw this in a packed theater with a lot of like kids who just like were really excited and really happy to go see sonic on the big screen which i found very weird because i didn't know that sonic was still making video games and i played it back when it was on Sega, like he, in the 90s he's never stopped and that's true. Get a stop. Go to a fast. Yeah, <laughs> but I I dug that it was like this sequel that um, knew how to still keep the characters quote unquote toned down because Jim Carrey is delivering another like wow this is the Jim Carrey that I really dug from the '90s and I'm glad that he's not like crazy over the top even though he's doing silly things um, with the silly antics. But I I kind of just wish that there was a little bit more of um of uh like that that Sonic and James Marsden heart to heart relationship um in this movie that would carry it forward but you know uh i'm curious to see where they're going to go here so i i didn't hate it but i also didn't like super love it uh, so i'm kind of like in the middle well maxwell how about you where were you with the first one and, and now the second one um so i thought the first one was pretty decent uh, particularly on the the scale of video game movies um i thought it was funny pretty enjoyable good balance between the human characters and the the cg characters and it was one of those things where it felt like the people involved were not embarrassed or ashamed that it was a video game movie. Like That's they fair. clearly loved the games and put that into it and you could feel that. Um, and I think all of that was <clears throat> even more evident. I, I kind of love this movie. Nice. Um, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I, I, I saw it a second time because my friend wanted to see it and she loved it too. Listen, it's a family movie, right? There's yeah. some pure silliness in it. There's some juvenile jokes. There's fart jokes. There's pop culture references. Um, but we get, yeah, flossing. Exactly. <laughs> we get so few live action family movies these days anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is a great example of what that can be. But to me, it's the video game stuff, particularly the second half of this movie that really makes it an enjoyable movie the yeah. three characters in these different set pieces there's one in the snow there's one in like a forbidden temple you could feel the love of the video games put into a way that also kind of successfully functions as a coherent movie like more so than the first one this movie has a very well-defined quest there is an object that multiple people are hunting for who's going to get there first and what's going to happen when that object is picked up and what the ramifications of that are going to be so you know we're not talking about an academy award quality screenplay here but it's really well done in terms of having inciting incidents character motivations and uh, honestly a ton of heart the relationship between sonic and tails and then sonic and james marsden is really sweet and i think really simply but effectively teaches some good lessons to kids um but my favorite part of this movie is Natasha Rockwell. Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She is hilarious. Uh, the whole sequence at her wedding, I think, is just super, super funny and the way it all unfolds. Um, and I think it was really smart that this is one of those added value sequels where you take like it's the Robert Zemeckis approach. You take what people liked and worked in the first one and you give it even more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in terms of that, it's really successful. It's not high art, but I had a great time. 
I um, largely agree with what you just said. I, I'm not leaps and bounds over the first movie, but I do think it's an improvement. And I think it's because they learned the right lessons from it as opposed to doing, I mean, it's a traditional sequel as far as more is more and bigger and better or what have you. Sure. But as far as how it's doing that, it took the things that it knew people liked as opposed to what it presumed people would want to see. Where it's one thing to be like, yeah, we'll add Knuckles and Tails. But this movie's like, well, not only that, we'll add something like, Natasha Rothwell's character who was funny in the first movie and they just do more with her this time around and give that as silly as it is a satisfying arc to things um what this movie reminded me of is a movie that Maxwell you didn't like when we talked about it but it's that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel Mm -hmm. that added a lot of fan favorite stuff but I thought did it well as as having Bebop and Rocksteady and more Turtles unique action and Krang and what have you regardless I, I liked white the way it handled doing those things as far as like okay we'll throw in more stuff but we'll still have like a movie that has like you like you kind of mentioned here like it has specific goals and things this movie's mm-hmm. doing that as well and I like that it embraces the video game more like the first one as much fun as I had it it was you know fairly slight it robbed Sonic of doing Sonic things for a lot of it because it wanted to have this James Marsden Sonic buddy comedy that's not a terrible thing. I think that's credit to how good James Marsden can be in this movie. Yeah. But I like that the emphasis is more on Sonic this time around as far as letting him be fast <laughs> for the movie, mm-hmm. uh, doing things that feel like Sonic. And in addition to that, you have him with Tails, which is a relationship that you'd obviously, as any Sonic fan would want to see, would want to see in a movie like this. So it, it's not leaving him out to dry, just being Ben Schwartz doing jokes on his own. There's a person to bounce off of. And then on the other side of that, you have Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey, which... I'm all for. I'm happy to see mm-hmm. Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey. And he has the addition of Idris Elba being very fun as Knuckles. He's he's doing terrific work. It's like yeah, a it's like a riff on like Drax from Guardians, but it's yes, a it is. thing. And it's it's very it's 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 funny. Like I can't, I can't that's all I can really say about it. He's he's saying the lines and he's being, you know, this kind of serious guy, but because it's you know a, a giant red echidna, you're like okay this is silly <laughs> like but it's like that stuff works and then like action wise i like that it's both a family friendly movie yet has like action in it that would work for all ages and it's still you know cool like it's right. cool to see sonic going through a forbidden temple level or a snow level like that's fun stuff to see so it's like yeah if you're going you know this could have if you wanted to like go the wrong way, just like do too many jokes or whatever, or be too it go dark and serious for whatever reason for a Sonic movie. Instead, it just feels like it finds the balance that I'm I was preferring for if you're gonna make more of these, how do sure. you do that? And I think it accomplishes that quite well. So I want to go back to something that you just said, which is the Forbidden Temple level. What was neat about this movie and what you guys have said about the the makers is the the subtle hints to the games are there. So that's actually the labyrinth level. And what I actually really appreciate about Sonic getting into that, he goes down like a slide that is mm-hmm. in yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a water slide. He gets into the game and becomes the labyrinth, which is the labyrinth zone. And there's even the part where he has to take an air bubble, which I was yes. like, this is really <laughs> fun. Like it's not like, hey, see, like we watched Uncharted like not even like a month ago or something like that. And there's, like, more, like, ribbing in that movie than there is in this one. And I was like, why are you guys doing this? Like, why are you making me realize that, like, the voice of Nathan Drake is actually right there? And he's also been on Adventures. And remember when we got this cross and key and, like, you know, Sully telling me to, like, do whatever? It's like, here is just, like, guys, we like the games. 
We also like that this is, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to like put it in your face, but here it is. If you know of it, great, but we're not going to be like, uh huh. This movie, and, and I think this is sort of what you're saying, reminds me of X2 and Spider-Man in the early 2000s when all of a sudden filmmakers made comic book superhero movies that weren't embarrassed to be comic book or superhero movies. Great way of putting it, yeah. And this feels like, and I could be wrong, but this feels like this franchise could be the starting point for a series of maybe not great, but like video game movies where finally they're like, you know what? This is based on a video game. We're, we're making this movie because people love this property and let's just put all of our love for that series into it instead of, you know, pretending we're anything but based on a video game, which is, I think, a big problem in a lot of video game movies. They want to be like something other than what they should be. This could be a long discussion that we've had many times based on every video game conversation we have, because I don't disagree. I do think in recent years in general, we've had a lot of attempts that were it's weird to say because there's so many bad video game movies but i do think like hearts are more in the right places as of late where something like warcraft i don't think is a good movie but i think duncan jones absolutely committed to making a good warcraft movie mm -hmm. uh like as a as like a fan of the franchise he wanted to make something that was directly inspired even something like rampage i think it's a movie that which abe i know you didn't like but it's a movie that i think understands that it's ridiculous and wanted to be the ridiculous movie it sure. was yeah I agree. I, I, I don't mind Rampage. I agree. And even like Detective Pikachu, I think, had a very specific idea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's so it's like, yeah, we're, they're I, they're getting better, like at this rate, as far as not just whether or not you enjoy them or not. Like you can go back to I mean, I go back to Mortal Kombat, the first Mortal Kombat all the time, as far as I enjoy that quite a bit. But as far as filmmakers that both you know, know these worlds, know these games, right. probably because they're, you know, guys and they're generally guys in their 30s, 40s that have grown up playing these games, but also have enough competence as filmmakers to want to express this cinematically in the way that they feel is best, regardless of how good that actually is. I think that effort is slowly becoming, yeah, more and more in favor of respecting the material. Yeah. And, and this is yeah. like where it's like, um, if you're a filmmaker and you're kind of like wanting to make one of these properties come to life because you love it so much, it's okay to draw outside of the lines. Right. And what I mean by that is like, you don't have to adhere to the same story element of the video games. Like we just saw again, like you mentioned Detective Pikachu, which I think is a great example of, we know the property, but what if we expanded the world so that it's like not the stuff that you would normally see, like we're not just going to have like Ash and Misty and Brock go around finding Pikachu or finding Pokemon and doing battles like let's just make it like a, a weird film noir for families um with these characters you've never met before in a mixed world of like humans and um and pokemon with different uh, elements of, of animation i also uh point i want to point out that like we just also had a reboot of the resident evil series where it was like let's make it more like the video game where people will come pay attention to it. it's like I don't know if that's what people would really want. Like, I, I don't, I, I think that like when there's a creative freedom to it, um, you can have a more engaging story. This oh. is not a video game, but the, the other example I thought of was a cloud with a chance of meatballs. It's like, this is like a 12 page book. <laughs> and if Phil Lord and Chris Miller were like, let's just make that, that's a short film. But they were just like, what if we expanded on it? Same premise, you know, of food falling from the skies but gave it a story, gave it character arcs, gave it some heart. Let's see what we can do from there. And it's pretty cool what you can come up with when you're just like, I would like to do a movie, like an Uncharted movie, 
where it is just about um, a, a guy trying to go find some treasure, but not again winking and nodding at you every every chance that it can. I'm just saying, like, this is what we took from the game. I mean, Tomb Raiders is sort of the same way, where it's like, uh-huh. I, I'll just, I'll add, I'll add some, some like, I, we should get back to Sonic as far as the movie, oh, yeah, but, yeah. but, but I, just to note about Resident Evil, for example, like you mentioned, I, I'm not a fan of the, like, I like Paul W. Anderson and what him and Jovovich were doing in general. Like, I'm happy for sure. their success with I'm that. I'm talking about Record City, like, the, the yeah, I know, no, I know, I know, as I was saying, I, but like, the idea of doing something that actually did feel like Resident Evil is like, well, I am intrigued by that because those that and like Max Payne are games that have like <laughs> stories that are very seem very easy to adapt. It's like sure. there's a haunted house and they wake up in it. And you got to do stuff and fight zombies. There is a guy who has a family he lost and he has to shoot people to get the answers. And these in those movie adaptations, the first ones are like, what if we just did none of that and did our own thing? It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. source fidelity is not always required, but at the same time, it's like you had a pre-packaged story here that you just had to put on screen, and you're like, what if we did none of that and pissed off everybody and made it poorly? It's mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> so it's like I haven't seen Raccoon City as of yet, but it's like, and I'm sure I'm not, I'm convinced that I probably won't be a huge fan of it, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, it'd be nice to see a Resident Evil movie that takes the basic Resident Evil story in the same way that like the Tomb Raider movie, which I also didn't like took the tomb raider story and it's like yeah we can apply this mm-hmm. pretty easily sure as, as far, uncharted my problem there is like i just don't think the director is very good and i think mm-hmm. it once again yeah, shows yeah. in the product <laughs> but with with this movie yeah i mean is there a sonic story you need to directly adapt no it's sonic the hedgehog like what do you what do you yeah. do with this and so i i do like what they come up with as far as well how do you keep this thing going well, you just give more character stuff like you have a goal but there's you know you have these fun people you had the first time around and you let them just continue to be fun with with that in mind i think we talked about the good human side of things a bit but what do you guys think of like jim carrey back in this movie again like hey. i dug him again just like in the first one where it was jim carrey but it was over the top but in a way that was relevant to the character yeah, I, I think he's clearly having a blast. And, and as the audience, you can tell that. I think it's perfect for this character. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, some of it's really silly. The robot stuff, the flossing. the But I think it's all in line with what this movie is, what the tone is. And, and I think, and, you know, friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, has written about this in his box office piece for this weekend. Jim Carrey is really smart casting for this franchise because Sonic is nothing if not a nostalgia play. And Jim Carrey is a nostalgic actor. People who remember him from his comedies in the 90s, this is like him doing that shtick without having to also bring a human element into it, right? He probably just showed up on set and was like, how can I mess around today? What silliness can I bring to this line? The line is like, I'm going to eat a sandwich. And he says it in like 13 voices and, and, and gesticulations and makes it funny. So it's just, it's smart casting. And I think he does a really good job. It's, right. it's smart casting. Yeah, because it's, it, it's people that like Jim Carrey, probably the same people that grew up playing Sonic games, right? So it's like, yep. you're, sure. you're yeah. getting both audiences along with, you know, kids like Sonic because it's Sonic the Hedgehog. And it, it from a commercial standpoint, there are a lot of smart moves being made here. It certainly right. helps that the people involved seem to be having a good time. Like, Abe, I know you're, you're disappointed in having less James Marsden, but he, like, <laughs> you, I, I, I think you're still enjoying what he's doing, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, hands down, like, you know, again, he's doing the same thing that he did in the first one. Um, but yeah, I, I was just like, I like James Marsden. I like how he's like a 
you know, a generally handsome guy. Like, and he seems like in shape. And they're like, what can we do to counter that? Get, <laughs> get Shamar Moore. What like, was hilarious? Get shirtless like, Shamar Moore in this movie. <laughs> yeah, small detail, but when they're playing volleyball and then Shamar Moore's like, check out my body, my, my flex. And they're like, they show James Marsden also flexing. I was like, he yeah, also exactly. has like, huge <laughs> that's, 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 that's yeah. Like, yeah. The guy's in shape too. Like, right. nothing yeah. wrong with him. Right. So I was like, I don't know. I like that you guys are making a joke about how he's like a small, like, small dude, but he's also like pretty buff. He's jacked. He's Cyclops, you know, Cyclops. <laughs> team leader. Right. <laughs> um, how about the addition of tails? We talked about knuckles a little bit, but what about tails and that, that ad? What would you guys you think? You guys there? rightly brought up that there are characters that don't, uh, that are not invasive to the screen time. I dig that about how they introduced all these other characters too. Tails is a prime example of just like, hey, by the way. I'm here. I serve this purpose in the movie. And again, it helps us get to the ultimate goal, but I'm not like uh, trying to take over the movie or I'm not like being like too crazy. It's like, I dug tails as the sidekick, but like this guy that looks up to Sonic and I, re I really, I, in, in general, I've always dug tails like from the, from Sonic two and whatever else, like, you know, the red shoes, the two tails, like his look on the, on the cover box art. Like I, I just like him in general. So I was glad that they handled it with care. I like the look of tails like i was like ah, they made his propeller tails i like i didn't think it wouldn't happen it's like this is yeah. to see on a big screen <laughs> like the yeah. tails has come to, like what world are we in where it's like remember sonic the hedgehog when you're a kid playing on sega genesis yeah they have a movie now that's tails in it <laughs> tails flies around with sonic <laughs> tails is adorable and i think getting colleen o'shaughnessy back to yeah. do the voice is really smart like because i think she has such a distinctive voice and brings so much heart to it um you know, and it's fun because funny because obviously Sonic and Knuckles are played by actors of note mm -hmm. who were not ever part of this franchise before. But for Tails, they're like, there's no one else who can do a better job than Colin. So we're just going to get her back. Mm -hmm. If you just pointed out the Uncharted thing about having um, um, the real life, actor, the real, the real, the real, real voice, yeah, the real uh, Nolan North coming in. Are you upset that Jaleel White didn't like walk on by at some I, I've point? I've been thinking about this for the, like the past like week or whatever. So like, I wonder if they're ever gonna give Jaleel White like you know a chili dog voice cameo or something like that. He could easily like be in the town of Green Hills or whatever. Like, just, <laughs> right. We're gonna be like the the guy in the the uh, armored car at the beginning. <laughs> just like, yeah. Sonic talking to Sonic. That'd be fun. Right? <laughs> that would be funny actually. Again, like the way that these guys are making the movie, like it would be funny if they're just like. By the way, there was like a comic or there was a cartoon in like the late 90s uh, where uh, Jill Light was a voice. And isn't it fun that if you knew that, here he is for a quick moment. How about the effects in this movie? Obviously, you got, you know, full CG characters that we're supposed to care about or what have you. I, I would say that they look good as mm -hmm. a whole. And I would say there's moments of chaos and what have you that look pretty good. There's the whole snow scene with laser bots flying over hey. the place and snow. Like I thought it looked pretty great. But then there's other areas where it's like, eh. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. we, we're exhausting our CG budget a little bit. Maybe that's yeah. me. I, what do you think? I, I like that they deliberately go for a cartoony approach. They don't try to make the characters look too photoreal. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because of that, it lets some of the eh, not as amazing effects work slide a little bit. You know, there is, you know, I think like, when the when Sonic and Knuckles are fighting, for example, it uh -huh. looks great to me because it's all cartoony, right? And there's a right. very distinctive style. I think in the third act with certain things that are more photoreal, it's not amazing, but none of it was ever distracting to me. But 
I think keeping the characters looking the way they do is a smart choice because, and, you know, obviously we go back to before the first movie, when that first trailer came out and they decided to change the look of Sonic based on the outcry, um, the outcry, which is obviously a slippery slope in terms of kowtowing to fan demands. But I really do think in this case, it was the right choice because had they not changed Sonic, I can't even begin to imagine what Knuckles and Tails would have looked like to match (laughs) with that version of Sonic. Yeah, um, so the fact that, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that they course corrected Sonic to make him look more like the video game and also more endearing because that original Sonic was kind of scary. Like, I, I don't want to be a conspiracy <laughs> yeah. guy because I don't like that at all. But it's like, I like, I wonder, it's like, did they make it that bad on purpose just to drum up attention for somebody? Nah, like, or, or did they just do it, make him look like that in the trailer and they already had the rest of the movie done with him that, looking like this? That's the difference. But it's like, well, they did delay the movie like three months. So it's like, right. I don't yeah. Know. But <laughs> what, I, what I found hilarious is like, they're like, hey, this is how a hedgehog really looks like this is how their face looks and then people are like no no no, just give us the video game version like okay you guys are right please (laughs) because it was you're right maxwell it was scary it's like what the what is this it was it was off-putting i was like i don't i honestly and that's why the fact that i'm sitting here talking about sonic the two and saying how much i enjoyed it surprises me because that first trailer i was like fuck this i ain't seeing this garbage <laughs> like isn't there there's like one of the one of those snl sketches where they're like making cakes and they're terrible and it's supposed to be like one's supposed yeah. to be like sonic and it's like the worst looking thing possible it's i think it's either the don, the don shield one or the eddie murphy one <laughs> i think like, it was the eddie murphy the one eddie murphy yeah. one yeah and it's like this is just like the movie <laughs> this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> would have looked awful um ugly knuckles running around uh something (laughs) i will point out um the first movie almost lost me at the beginning when it opened with like some fantasy land with that owl long claw and like and like an army of echidnas and it's like what is all this fantasy stuff that i am not expecting in the sonic movie but then this movie's like okay it makes more of this work now like there's it enhances this backstory that i didn't necessarily know i was going to have a full meal of mm-hmm. this thing did you guys appreciate having more of the more of sonic's uh, origins along with knuckles yeah i there's an element like it adds to the movie i, I guess having more weight um because even from like a, an audience standpoint you're like oh this is neat that they're giving me this backstory to fill in all this stuff there's a lot of exposition going on from all these characters but I dug that they were just like, hey, by the way, the Owl and Mini Sonic, like Little Sonic that you saw in the first one, here's a quick shot of it. And also, I, I have a larger, um, quote-unquote, prophecy, and that's why uh, I was important. And I was like, that's neat. It helps this movie plays well to anyone, right? I, I don't yeah. feel like you necessarily, like, I didn't revisit Sonic. I don't think you need to necessarily see Sonic to get Sonic 2. I think it does a good job of giving you just the right amount of flashback stuff along with just plenty of regular plot antics to be like, sure. yeah, I don't need to like go out of my way to watch another Sonic if I don't have to, to, to get what's happening in this fairly simple movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised by how much I care about the fantasy lore stuff. Like in a lot of movies, I will find myself being like, I don't care. This is a waste of time. But I think in, in, in this movie in particular, it is just balanced enough to give weight and motivation to the characters, particularly as the 
back and forth between Sonic and Knuckles unfolds. Like I found that stuff really engaging. Yeah. Like you have two warriors, quote unquote, who have different perspectives and the way that shifts and changes. And with Ben Schwartz and Idris Elba's vocal performances, like it works. We're not talking about Tolkien level stuff here, but it's just simplistic enough for kids to get it, but just engaging enough uh, for it to matter. And, and there is, you know, Idris does bring a weight to his character that I was surprised by. He has the Drax-esque humor, as you mentioned, but there is a sadness. He has to the his Drax character. pathos as well. Right. That I was like, <laughs> oh, this is actually a really clever approach to a character that could have just been like a stock villain character that they brought in for a sequel. Yeah. So I think it's pretty well done. And um I like how I did actually rewatch the first one in between me seeing this one twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there is stuff that that is set up that does pay off. I don't think it was planned that way, but they were smart in going like the map, for example, that we see that Sonic has in the first one that Longclaw gives him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't change that map. They just made it all work for how it plays into this one. So it's, you know, pretty decently done lore storytelling for a family video game movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have it. I mean, I don't think any of us dislike Ben Schwartz. I think we'd all just agree. Ben Schwartz is very good at Sonic. <laughs> is, that, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's perfect. He's doing a voice, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I have about that. AB, have anything else you want to ask about Sonic? No. Well, it sounds like we're all at least fans of this movie. When, let's, let's give us our rating on this one, too. When should people go and see Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Maxwell? Uh, see it in theaters. Um, it's, you know, if you have A-list or something like that, and you can see it in Dolby, the um, sound design is like, you know, we talked about it with the ambulance, but it's pretty good in this too. It's a loud movie. Like you could feel the bass, you could feel Junkie XL score. It's a good in theater movie and it's a good audience movie because I think Abe mentioned this, like both times I saw it, the audience was super, super into it in a way that's almost surprising how much people still care or do care about these characters and yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a great audience movie. It's a good uh, in theater movie. I would agree as far as it's never boring. And that's not like a, trying to be a slight, like slight praise. It's like, it's it's always pretty engaging. Like I do think it knows how to handle its tone very well as far as the audience that's going to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, I think it plays the way it needs to. So I would say I would give it like a dollar theater. I don't necessarily say race out the theater, but I still think it's a solid movie and a solid video game sequel. And if they make a third, I assume they'll make a third one. This movie was a big hit this weekend for its opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's you know, let's see where this goes. Dave, how about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I would definitely give this a dollar theater. Like, you should see this in theaters. Like, don't have to rush out and see right away because, you know, maybe COVID stuff. But Maxwell, to your point, like, the audience clapped at the end of this movie. And they were kids. And I was like, wow. Again, I didn't know that the impact of Sonic was still around. And then the mid-credit sequence is just like, they knew who this character was. They shouted at the kids, shouted out this character's name before uh, the actor could say uh, the 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 breaking line, right? Abe, kids so, like Sonic. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm just like, I'm just so blown away by the engagement of it. I loved it, so. I also, I also think the timing of this franchise with the pandemic, uh-huh. um, which of course was horrible and we're still going through it, mm-hmm. really worked for them because it didn't get to do a full, I mean, it, it was out for about a month before the shutdown. But because of everything shutting down, it hit streaming pretty quickly. Uh, And I remember it being a big hit for families to watch in those early days of lockdown where everyone was confused and scared and didn't know what was going on. 
Um, and so then to have the sequel come out as we're now at least coming out of it in so much as things are open and people are feeling more comfortable going out and doing things, it's really worked for them in towards of, of building this this franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my last comment is the credits are fun. Like they're they are <laughs> list of the video game and it's very fun yeah, with uh with Kid Cudi and his most animated version I've ever seen him in doing this song. <laughs> I, I generally he's having it. himself a year. He he seems to be he's he's popping up in places. Um, all right, well, that's been our review for Sonic the Hedgehog too. Hey, but what uh, what time is it here? It's time for games. Little known fact, Aaron was actually commissioned to make the ring noises, like when you collect them in Sonic. Exactly. But they decided mm-hmm. not to go with him because he was only seven when the game came out. Yeah, that's the uh, probably younger. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, that was the improv theme for games. And guys, I have a game for you guys this week. I have two games. Here's the first right. of, of two games. This first one is called That's the name I, of the game. I love you <laughs> typing that out. <laughs> I, I, I wrote i wrote i wrote here um, asterisk ambulance noise asterisk. Oh. <laughs> i was thinking it was rw <laughs> okay so this is an emergency vehicle based game where i have taglines for films that feature either ambulances cop cars or fire trucks okay if you think you know the answer to the game to the movie to the question based off the tagline for this movie say your name and the answer okay here's the first tagline and it's going to be again Either a movie with an ambulance, a cop car, or a fire truck. (laughs) To enter the mind of a killer, she must challenge the mind of a madman. To enter the mind of a killer, she must challenge the mind of a madman. The vehicles were... Ambulance, cop car, fire truck. You want to narrow down the vehicle for you? Uh, Model. uh, Maxwell. Maxwell? Silence of the Lambs? It is Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Oh, of course. Ambulance. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the answer that I thought of right away. But I was like, where is there a big ambulance scene in that yeah, one? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, there is. Here's the next one. Mm-hmm. Fake cops, real trouble. I totally know this, but it's not Kevin. <laughs> Maxwell? Maxwell? Let's be cops. It is let's yes. be cops. Yeah. <laughs> With Jake Johnson and Jake Johnson yes. and, and Damon Wayans Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the next one. One wrong flight can ruin your whole day. Oh my uh, gosh. One wrong flight can ruin your whole day. Abe. Abe. Die hard? Incorrect. Mm. Maxwell. Maxwell. Con Air. It is Con Air. Oh, <laughs> big fire truck scene in that one. Yeah. I was going back and forth in my mind between that and Air Force One. I was like, but I don't know if like Con Air has the yeah Con Air. <laughs> Here's the next one. That's what killing it, by the way. He is. The law has limits. He does not. That's pretty generic. Now that I say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Abe. Abe. Judge Dread. Incorrect. Uh-huh. He is the law. Oh, I get, yeah, that is a better title. <laughs> they, wrote, they already wrote it. Uh, I have a thought, but I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> Maxwell, I've already embarrassed myself. <laughs> You're five and Maxwell. Maxwell. 
Jack Reacher. It is Jack Reacher. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I was actually thinking of the Amazon TV show. I was like, he doesn't have limits, does he? <laughs> okay, a few more. Mm-hmm. Catch the excitement. Catch the laughter. Catch the hawk. Hmm. Huh. This is on the easy side for me, but okay. <laughs> catch the excitement, catch the laughter, catch the hawk. Here's a hint. One of those <laughs> words is in the title of the movie. <laughs> uh, hmm. Oh, Maxwell. Yeah. Uh, Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk is the oh, correct answer. God, I would not have gotten that until you you said one of the two words. It's in the title. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a big ambulance scene in that one. Got it. He's he's hanging off. Bruce Willis is hanging off of a stretcher that's attached to the ambulance. And at one point, he the, the stretcher's just moving down the highway, and he has to go through a toll booth, and he throws the coins, and it lands on the thing, and the toll booth <laughs> Hey man, thank you for uh, keeping our our roads uh, clean. Here's the next one. Their first drive could be their last. Ooh. Hmm. First drive could be their last. There's a second tagline. The ride is just getting started. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. I'll give one hint. The director. Uh, yeah. Huh? Maxwell. Yes. Ride along? Incorrect. Okay. Here's a hint. The director of this film has gone on to make some of the most successful films of all time. Wow. (laughs) Cop car, fire truck, or ambulance. Their first ride could be their last. So they'd have to be young drivers. (laughs) Young drivers. I have no idea. Maxwell, you can can steal again. Hey, police academy. Incorrect. Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely not right. Okay, the answer is... Maxwell. Oh, 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 Maxwell? Dual? Incorrect. The answer is cop car. Cop car. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when you said most successful, I was not thinking John Watts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's true he has, yes, but it's insane that he is <laughs> the one of the most anonymous directors in Hollywood has made some of the most successful movies. John yeah. Watts. <laughs> I'm sure he's like a great who? guy. <laughs> he's he's made fun movies. They're just not like super. Well, not, you, you don't yeah you don't look at it and be like man john watts crushed it like, <laughs> right here's the last one yeah one breath of oxygen and it explodes in a deadly rage Ooh, that's a good tagline one breath of oxygen uh maxwell yes backdraft it is backdraft yeah. Maxwell, you crushed this game i know he's gonna make so i i i compete in the first class league which is the sort of minor digital league of the movie trivia showdown and there are tagline questions Mm -hmm. so i have spent some time studying movie (laughs) taglines so i see what you guys quiz showed me (laughs) (laughs) to turn at it again (laughs) that's my fault zoom in thing i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry Okay, so that was <laughs> my second favorite game I've ever played on this uh, this show. My favorite one, which I also won, was still the Luis Guzman game. Oh, of course. <laughs> Luis Guzman is always my favorite game. So it's I'm going to keep reason. that in mind for next time, Maxwell. <laughs> Just make sure next time I'm invited on, it's for a film he's in, and then we're yeah. good to go. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here's the next game. It is called Sonic and Knuckles. 
Um, these are uh, movies featuring characters who are, who are either speedsters or tough guys. Okay. I'm Ooh, going to read okay. you. I'm going to read you a quote from a character in this movie. You have to identify who the character is that I'm referring to, and all okay. of them will either be speedsters or tough guys. Here we go. Here's the first one. I shouldn't do the voice on these. Okay. Here's the thing. See, I'm afraid of bugs and guns and obnoxiously tall people and murder. I can't be here. It's really cool. You guys seem to be ready to do battle and stuff. Full transparency. I've never done battle. I've just pushed some people and ran away. Maxwell. Maxwell. Justice League. Who's the character? The Flash. Barry Allen. Ah. The Flash is the correct answer. Maxwell's on the board. Oh, the, the answer is the character. The answer is okay, the character, bad. yes. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. I misunderstood. Okay. Here we go. Maxwell's going to kill it in this game, too. It's going to be like a clean sweep. We'll see. <laughs> I'm rooting for it. <laughs> Here's the next one. Uh, let's see. I'm nine feet tall. I weigh 643 pounds. Got a bit of a temper on me. My passion bubbles near the very surface. I guess I'm not going to lie. Anywho, what else? I'm a wrecker. I wreck things professionally. I mean, Maxwell. I'm Maxwell. <laughs> wreck it, Ralph. Wreck Ralph. Ralph is the correct answer. Is he answer. nine feet tall? <laughs> That's what I <laughs> That's mean. The he, part that threw me off. He's, he's very tall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said the word he's wreck, so- and I'm like, that's got to be Ralph. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like, gonna, this sounds like the speech where he's giving him where he's like in that help group. It was going to get very more obvious. It's like, I mean, I'm very good at what I do. Probably the best I know. The thing right. is fixing. That's the name of the game. Literally fix it, Felix. <laughs> so yeah. Need to really... <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. Okay. Home where I learned the truth about despair as you will. There's a reason why this prison is the worst hell on earth. Hope. Every man who has ventured here over the centuries. Maxwell. Of... Maxwell. Bane. That is Bane. Wow. Maybe the voices really would help out. <laughs> <laughs> One of us in the wreckage, brother. Every man who has ventured here over the centuries has looked up. Uh, all right. Oh, Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's the next one. Okay. Should be fun. I'm holding you up so you won't get whiplash. Whiplash. Wow. Mm. I'm holding mm-hmm. you up so you won't get whiplash. That Whip sounds so familiar. Lash. I'm going to be so mad right here the answer. Here's a fun fact. This character uh-huh. has been played by multiple actors in different franchises. Oof. That makes it even worse. Okay, Maxwell. Maxwell. Quicksilver. Quicksilver is a correct answer. Ah. Do you know which film I'm referring to? Age of Ultron. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse? Days of Future Past. Oh, okay. okay yeah. I, I thought it was one of the. It sounded like an Evan Peters line to me. It's I Evan just, B, yeah, get, yeah. I guess the wrong one. Yeah, it's it's when he gets Magneto out of prison and he's like holding his head and he's saying, "Yeah, yeah. got it. We'll get whiplash." Dad. Okay. Here's the next one. Mm-hmm. Me in a metal tube, deep underground with hundreds of people in the most aggressive city in the world. I'm so mad because I. Ah, <sighs> <sighs> uh, a trailer line. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Maxwell? Maxwell? The Hulk? It is the Hulk. Oh my gosh. Do you know which Hulk movie it is? <laughs> the Avengers? It's The Incredible Hulk. Okay. That's when he and Liv Tyler are debating how to get to where they need to go in New York. Okay, here's the next one. Mm-hmm. You always say do your best, but you don't really mean it. Why can't I do the best that I do? <laughs> Abe. Abe. The Incredibles. The Incredibles. Is yeah. the Who's nice. the character? Take that, Maxwell. It's Who's... not a clean sweep. It's Dash Parr. Yes. There you go. <laughs> is it weird that they named him Dash before they knew he had his powers? I 
That's yes. Actually, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about that. You know, I almost wonder if it was like his powers manifested as such because his name was Dash. Yeah. Violet's or, first name was actually going to be invisible. Or if he was just really fast, <laughs> or if he was just really fast in the womb. Oh, oh maybe. Yeah. That could have been he actually. popped right out. Yeah. Yeah. She's flexible. <laughs> Next question we have here. The, the good thing you're flexible enough to watch your own back, because I ain't doing it no more. Ooh. Hmm. Good thing you're flexible enough to watch your own back, because uh-huh. I ain't doing it anymore. Hmm. I have a second quote that kind of emphasizes the first one. Okay. Get off me, rubber boy. Oof. Uh, Maxwell. Maxwell. The thing? It is the thing, yes, from Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. <laughs> rubber boy. I was like, wait a minute. Was that a line from Kurt Russell? But uh... When you said rubber boy, I was like, okay, is it Johnny Storm or is it Ben Grimm? Is it Johnny Storm or is it Ben Grimm? But yeah, it's been great. And uh, here, there, I, I was looking for all of, I was looking at all the Fantastic Four films. No good quotes in the 2015, 16 Fantastic Four <laughs> movies. <laughs> Not even They Call Me Doctor Doom? No. Uh, I mean, I was looking specifically for Ben yeah. Grimm quotes, but like, no, not not, a, not, a, not the most expansive of quotes pages. He's just, he's just down on his luck in that movie. Here's the next one. Okay, here we go. Focus, speed. I am speed. One winner. 42 losers. I eat losers for breakfast. I totally know this. Breakfast? Maybe I should have had breakfast. Breakfast. Uh, Maxwell. Yeah. Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. Yes! Dang it! Ka-chow! Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Two more. Mm -hmm. If I can go the distance, you see, and that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life, see, that I weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. Oh, Maxwell. 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 Abe can take it. Go ahead, Abe. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm gonna get it wrong. Rocky Balboa. It's Rocky Balboa. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> which, which was that was gonna that be about? your answer, Abe? I was gonna say, um, uh, I've, uh, Ivan Drago. <laughs> 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 which, uh, which Rocky was that one from? That's the first Rocky, Rocky. Six. I think okay. it's the original one. That's Rocky. Yeah. Here's the last one. Okay. I have a few quotes, including it's not obvious. Mister Wizard, get me the hell out of here. Mister Wizard. Okay, I have another quote. Maxwell. Oh, Maxwell. Thomas Anderson. That, sure, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Neo. <laughs> Neo. Yeah, who's both a speedster and very tall. Strong. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, Maxwell, you handily won this game as well. Congratulations, <laughs> Maxwell. That was uh, an amazing performance. If you got on the thank board. You, thank you, thank you. So. I did, but I, I was also debating, like, should I, I think I might just let, I should just let Maxwell get dash part. I'm really proud of you for getting one. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, that was games. That Thank was Sonic and games. Knuckles. Thank you. Uh, that was fun. Let's move on now. Let's get to, let's get some now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com says sign up podcast. We have a number of questions to the listeners. They go some answers. Uh, so let's go over them right now. First question is, what video game movie do you want to see get a sequel? Chris Cleveland writes Mortal Kombat. But only if we get an old school Bloodsport style fighting competition. Um, Muggly writes Mortal Kombat, but with all the guest and DLC fighters, which would basically be anybody that's ever made a movie or cartoon. You get Terminator and Robocop and Michael Myers, Predator. And uh, 
I think my is like the one that isn't in there. Like Freddy Krueger's in there, Jason's in there, Leatherface yeah. is in there, but Michael Myers like, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've seen somebody mod it, so Michael Myers is in there. Pretty. Okay. <laughs> um, well, how about you guys? Any any video game sequels? I wouldn't mind uh, another Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was enough promising stuff there. Um, but otherwise, I mean Sonic. But that seems like a foregone conclusion at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if Raul Julia was still around, I'd be happy to get out of the Street Fighter the movie. Yeah, with, with, with the exact same cast. <laughs> wow, that's oh, that's point. isn't that what Pedro Pascal is for? You know, you're not wrong. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, I dig it. What if they announce that John Claude Van Damme is coming back as Colonel Guile, and we're bringing Pedro Pascal to reprise the role of M, of so, now Super M Bison? Everybody I would, else I'd is be in. I'd, I'd be curious. Ming Na's in. Byron Lee's in. Yeah. Uh, is it going to be good? Maybe not, but West, I'd be curious. West Studi's in. <laughs> Miguel Nunez Jr. is in. Like everybody's back for this movie. Um. I, you know, I mean, Detective Pikachu could like that, like just the, that Pokemon, like I'm not a Pokemon guy at all, right. uh, but like that world was really cool. Like I'd be yeah. curious, like they didn't even have to do another Detective Pikachu movie. They could just do like another Pokemon movie set in that, you know, like, you know, uh, Pikachu's dance recital. I don't know. Pikachu's <laughs> dance recital. Yeah, he's got to make it to the big dance. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plot. Yeah, if you, if you like introduced Ash and some of the other um well-known characters that could be a good idea yeah like something there because like that's a lot of stuff they made for that that's just going nowhere right now it's like that that would be i'm happy to go back to that world it looked good yeah all right next question what iconic video game character should have their own movie and what kind of movie uh, michael lee just put mega man so i assume a um yeah a, a western uh what what um oh, <laughs> so it's debatable if this character is iconic, but I always thought there could be a great Alan Wake movie. Oh, okay. Yes. That'd be a horror film of some kind, I'm sure. Who hasn't gotten like a... I mean, we're, we're all waiting with bated breath for Chris Pratt's Mario, obviously, so that's, you know... Yeah. <laughs> Good thing it's animated. Um, honestly, like, uh, in terms of iconic video game characters, sure, the show is, coming, the show is out on Paramount+, Plus, but Master Chief would have been... <laughs> A really good movie like if they if it was uh from um uh what neil blomkamp fister that was gonna do it or, or neil blomkamp neil blomkamp yeah neil blomkamp back in 2009 or whatever um coming out right off the heels of district nine kind of thing but no more well, maybe we get a master well, chief no. movie that's like a rom-com that'd be the great. other one that we were gonna get that we never got that i would have loved was gore verbinski's bioshock yep that's, that would have uh, been yeah because talk about a director perfectly suited to material. Yeah, he was ready to do it. Just didn't want to give him money. I mean, look at his name, Verbinski. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's of uh, of the region. Yeah. Um, the question is, what's an underrated, over the top performances? We didn't get any answers, but over or but underrated, over the top performances. I mean. I don't know if it was like necessarily underrated because I'm sure that's properly rated, but the first thing that came to mind was definitely, um, uh, I was going to say Doc Brown, but uh, Christopher Lloyd as uh, as uh, the mayor slash like bad guy in um, from Roger Rabbit. Okay. So I have two answers. Mm-hmm. The first is 
Um, Bill Paxton and Near Dark. Okay. Good answer. One of my favorites. And the second is Nick Cage in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. That's just a great performance. That's, yeah. yeah. It is, but I don't think people like, I don't think people talk about it that much. Yeah, it doesn't, especially now in this, that's one that I didn't even think of when you asked like your question on Twitter the other day of like Nick Cage movies Which to went watch. Super, super viral somehow. No, that's, that is, that is a great performance. And that's, and we've heard Saga was like, there's that part where he like stares at an iguana for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, those are good. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Jim Carrey and uh, I Love You, Philip Morris, I think is a very. Strong, oh, that's a good one. That's a good movie. movie. It's a it's a good movie, a good performance, and it and it just kind of went by without much much yeah. credit. Uh, all right, next question. Hey, I oh, yeah. I just want to say I know I know Jim Carrey said he might retire, but I just I want like I want him to get his Oscar. So okay, doing these comedies, but do one or two more films. And I feel like the narrative is there for you to get nomination, if not win, finally. Listening, because we know many celebrities listen to Out Now with Aaron and Abe. They do. Uh, Lamar and Leslie Odom Jr. Jim Carrey, (laughs) call up up Frank Darabont, call up Michelle Gondry, call up someone and get yourself that Oscar role that we all know you can do. Because you have should have like three nominations by now, bro. You you know what's going to happen. We're just going to write a movie for him and we'll also direct it. So. Yeah, that'll yeah, go well. on three. Right. And then, <laughs> then I can add, then we can add Oscars to our shelves. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take that. Is much... <laughs> yeah. Take that, Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Lamar. Next question we have here. What's your favorite instance of Bayhem in a Michael Bay movie? Being favorite instance of Bayhem is definitely, um, like, he didn't use it as much as in this one, but his... Um, his swooping shot of character standing still, like you know, when when uh uh not Mike, but Martin Lawrence's character, I can't remember his name right now. Uh Marcus like, Burnett got real. Yeah, Marcus uh, it's like she just got real. It's like I love those like bay like slow motion 360 camera movements. Um, I was gonna say uh favorite it and it has I think the pinnacle of Bayhem in when similar to what you were saying, when the camera is sort of swooping around the wall when they're doing that shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the car chase in that movie with the the coffins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Bad Boys 2, like it or love it, to me is the peakness of the excess of Bayhem. It's the most Bay. Um, it's a movie I constantly say you can put five scenes together and that's a trailer for any scene in that you movie. Never, <laughs> you never go full Bay unless it's Bad Boys 2. I have uh, I have two answers. Uh, one is like the 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 my favorite Bayhem moment in the worst in in like a bad Michael Bay movie is the um, big um, uh, forest fight in Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, where mm-hmm. it's shot with IMAX cameras and it looks fucking spectacular. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Optimus Prime versus a bunch of Decepticons. It's <laughs> like like whatever you say about the Transformers movies, if you want if like you want to see robots battling each other on an epic scale. That is the best example of it. Like it is so wonderfully shot. The effects look great. And it's because it's shot on IMAX film. It looks like the scale is there and it's mm-hmm. like just the, the best version of it. Um, as far as my absolute favorite Bayhem moment, it's Nick Cage um, fight after he fights that one guy in the rock and he has to like, he injects himself with the thing 
with the antidote like punches the other guy's face to get the virus all over him then he has to like hobble over to light the flare and yeah. like then the jets fly over him as he's holding the things up in the the flares up in the air and then he like and then it explodes and he flies away. it's like there's just so much like action-packed goodness in that sequence yeah um that i just i, I love it is bayhem it's just, i already let it go yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i get that it's just that great shot of him like sit, sitting on his knees with the flares in the air and then the jets it's fly a, over yeah, him. it's it's a great sequence all around because the score really swells up too yeah so it's the like, score yeah the score is like yeah you're getting <laughs> yeah you're getting basically like hit from every direction and it's, it's great yeah i've never been to i've never been to alcatraz even though i lived in the bay for like i have half been to alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> uh the next question is who are your favorite cinematic brothers jeff has end of watch lethal weapon rush hour and true lies none of those are brothers i'm, I'm thinking i'm thinking <laughs> that he's talking about tom arnold and, and uh and arnold Schwarzenegger in that one uh, Mike Lee has four brothers, uh, which is a, a fan favorite uh, on the show here. Mm-hmm. But cinematic, uh, uh, the Blues Brothers. I mean, they do get into a lot of hijinks, and they can sing and dance. Uh, Warrior. That's a there good. Go. That's yeah. a good answer. Yeah. Um, you won't believe this. Really like... The two of them are brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like. Um... Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and Logan Lucky are fun. Oh, yes. cauliflower. Yeah. And uh, the classic film with Jake Gyllenhaal brothers. Yeah. With him and angry, uh, angry, Toby, angry Toby. Yeah. Angry Toby. <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe the things he's done for his country. <laughs> you, it's true. You, you wouldn't. <laughs> that's right. That's right on the trailer, isn't it? Like, that's in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where he's like pulling his hair out. Yeah. All right. What are some memorable scenes involving emergency vehicles in film? Uh, John writes Magnolia. Hmm. <clears throat> that is my favorite movie of all time. So, is it? Okay. Well, well done. Yeah. I know I've um, gone over some of these in games already, but any other memorable scenes? Yeah, it's not in a movie, but it's a Go on. former jumps, Springfield Gorge, and then the, <laughs> the ambulance crashes and he just falls right back out. And then the helicopter comes and he just hits his head because, you know, Springfield yeah. Gorge. <laughs> so. Uh, there's that shot of Joker hanging his head out the cop car in Dark Knight that's always fun to watch. That's yeah, that's a great sequence because it's it's also like very quick, but it, there's no sound. Yeah. So uh the last question here is what are some great films featuring a hostage situation? Michael Lee has The Rock and Chris has Speed and Die Hard. I think it was called The Ambulance That Couldn't Slow Down. <laughs> <laughs> uh my answer um, here is the ref. The, okay. Yeah. Problematic now because of some of the people involved, but yeah, Judy uh, Davis. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Maxwell? Uh, Dog Day Afternoon. That's a great answer. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Attica. Um, this morning, Kino announced a 4K release of the Taking of Pelham One Two Three. So, yay! Okay, good. Here we go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I always have a soft spot for Phone Booth. Phone Booth's great. I like that's a great. Yeah, it's a great yeah. movie. Colin Farrell killing it in that one. Yeah, go see After Yang. Yeah, after Yang is very, very good. Yeah, I basically, cried just three times. Basically, the same character. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> just you know, you grew up, <laughs> honey. I never told you this <laughs> situation back when I used my American accent. Uh, all right, this <laughs> out now feedback. Back feedback, feedback, and that's going to bring us to an end of this week's out now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write movie reviews at Weekly Entertainment, Blu-ray and Criterion reviews over at Wise the Blue. Do some variety stuff occasionally. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? 
You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag dot, 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 dot. Max Lahadda, where can people find more of you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. Uh, as Aaron mentioned at the top of the show, I have a new YouTube channel, Ember Productions, with my uh, partner in crime, Amber Coates. Um, I'm the executive producer of the Let's Get Ready YouTube network, where they talk about movies and the schmodown. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just always bopping around. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Her Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWD. Feel free to email us any thoughts on Sonic Ambulance or whatever else at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast where you can reach us. And of course, plenty of story and photo updates over at Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Maxwell, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Maxwell. Thank you for having me. It was fun as always. Glad to have you on. Glad to have you. Kudos on the game. Always. Like ninety nine point nine percent of the answers were yours. <laughs> Congrats again. Hey, I I have an acumen for movie trivia and unnecessary facts. I can't do math, but <laughs> I can't balance a, a budget. But well, the, actually, I can do that. I'm Jewish. Um, but yeah, movie trivia is my thing. All right. <laughs> well, happy early Passover, and yeah, that's going to do it this week uh, for out now. <laughs> Uh, until next time. So, oh wait, wait. Uh, next week's show, yes. the secrets of Dumbledore will be revealed. Woo. That's that's what's happening there. But secrets. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But until then, until next time. So long and goodbye. The feelings running deep. Ain't no time for sleep. A second to unwind. Head up in the sky. I follow to the beat. It's just what my heart's demanding. Friends and laughing. Hear me dancing in the flow. I feel it's my time Watch me glow Living in the dream lights In the zone Yeah, this world is all mine Come see what you'll find, right? Going for it I'm out, I'm rolling to the stars in the sky Babe, I'm home In the city I'm out, I'm rolling to the stars in the sky Babe, I'm home Say I'm Let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to our first review for the evening, for the morning, for the day of ambulance. Entirely forgot what time of day it was. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's, it's not even sunny, but it's still bright outside. I'm like yeah, the evening. Yeah. <laughs>